3: To grow healthier, happier lives. Welcome to the program. By the way, we'll be getting into uh, politics today, which is Ben's favorite topic on Earth. He's like, I' gonna vote this year. Are you gonna vote next year? I guess it would be. Are you gonna be voting?
5: Yeah, I'm. I'm actually eighteen, older than eighteen, so I'm allowed to vote now.
3: Are you gonna do it though? I mean, I guess. Yes, yes, the I am. Key, are you? Yeah. Do you wanna tell us who you're gonna vote for? Um, don't do it. Don't tell <laughs> us. Don't tell us. It, we already it would, know. It would sway the voters, right? Well, but we already know who you're voting for. Oh, yeah? The Trumpster. <laughs> no. Why are you laughing?
5: Are you voting for her?
3: I'm not voting. Oh, okay. I'm abstaining. I have a, yeah.
0: Never do that.
3: I know. It's uh,
0: Always vote.
3: Today we've got a great topic. Joe Cannon, all things politics, will be getting there. But, man, I am just, this is going to get crazy. This is – we're just barely getting started with all this political stuff. A new debate coming up Wednesday. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that'll be great.
3: A voting – I mean this is – And the Dems
0: are upset because they're only allowing six Democratic debates. That's not enough. That's not enough. And we need to
3: see the Dems fight more.
0: Yeah, we do. Yeah, they're just letting the Republicans slug it out and kill each other.
3: You know what's crazy? It's uh, Bernie Sanders is taken off in the CBS poll. He's up like by 10 points or whatever.
0: I wonder if it's more of what he's saying or more of what – Hillary Clinton is doing I'm not quite sure
3: that's a great I mean, question but here's the question do you even know what he's saying I don't even know what Bernie Sanders is saying
0: I think he's saying that the government will take care of you and he's a socialist yeah. so
3: what do socialists <laughs>
0: yeah say? so uh, don't worry about it we'll take care of you
3: well you're fine yeah you're fine huh. CBS uh, poll has him up in Iowa 43 to 33 10 points hey, up
0: Hillary there. Clinton is just diving isn't what she what is the deal yeah no I,
3: did you see Biden, by the way, on Colbert? I missed it. It was really – it was neat.
0: You stay up that late or you just record no, it? No, I record okay. it and I
3: watch it while driving to work. <laughs>
0: okay, oh, That's comforting. I thought <laughs> I'm in here before you. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always like to I, – I just listen to it. But Clinton – I mean uh, Biden got – he opened way up. He's like – he got very emotional.
0: Mm-hmm. There's some polls there. Some are saying they hope he doesn't run. It's like 50-50. It's interesting. Yeah. It's not not real clear.
3: But it's also weird because apparently even if he does run, Hillary's got everything tied up. That's what we're going to ask Joe today. Mm. So what happens when the the popular person would be like a Trump or a Bernie Sanders, let's say, but um, instead we – because of the institution and the history – And the party partisanship, it ends up being a Bush-Clinton ticket.
0: Oh, my word. Not ticket,
3: but race. So what happens when everybody wants Sanders, but he can't win because the Democratic Party may not want Sanders?
0: I don't think a socialist can win in this country, no. I know.
3: But But then
0: Biden, they'll just say, well, it's just a third term of President Obama, and I'm not sure that will go over well. Mm -hmm. I don't know. By the way, what is on your finger?
3: it's It's a squishy ball.
5: I've never seen that before. It's a squishy ball.
3: That. Does it look swollen? Are, going,
5: are you flipping that? me? What is that? Wow. Yeah,
3: I'm not flipping it up. This is just a squishy ball. Okay. That i t- It's a stress ball, uh-huh. and I take my and stress you're out on this it.
0: morning. I'm, you're talking politics. I'm
3: totally talking politics. And you know what else? <laughs> I I can't handle any more BYU football.
0: Oh, yeah. Was that? Oh, amazing. Yeah, you'll we're talk have about it at it. the end. Yeah, but that I was I can't amazing. handle any more of yeah. it.
3: Yeah, and now they're playing UCLA.
0: I texted Tanner's mother because we interviewed yeah. her on Thursday. I said, I don't know how you I don't know how your nerves are are handling this.
3: I I if I were her, I wouldn't. Oh. This is why you don't want kids. <laughs>
0: You know, I think she's been to so kids. many games that, and she's had so many ups and downs. It's probably just part of it. But, oh, I, I don't that know. That was how. a crazy game. Yeah, now they're crazy. going to
3: UCLA. UCLA,
0: and they have a great pressure quarterback, ranked. so that will be fun. Yeah. yeah, that'll be a fun game.
3: And then I also need somebody. Maybe we'll ask Sports Nation later today. Why why does Tanner seem to have trouble with, like, I don't know, a 15-yard pass, <laughs> but he can hit these because 40-yard yeah, deeps easily? Yeah, exactly.
0: Easily. I know. Well, yeah, I think they're going to catch on here soon. Yeah. You know, when he goes to the right, it's like, okay, I think he's going to be throwing it. He's deep, going so, deep, so yeah, cover your guy. But then they
3: always collapse. To like, I guess think he's running that mm-hmm. that he's not. He's not Taysom. a real running quarterback. Yeah, right? He's not like Taysom
0: exactly. And I think Taysom had surgery, if I'm not mistaken, on yes. Friday. So I hope that went well. Oh,
3: man, crazy time. I, honestly, oh, I'm going to have a heart attack.
0: That was so great.
3: <laughs> anyway, we'll find out. Let's go uh, to Kathy now, find out what else is going on around the rest of the country.
0: Good morning, everyone. One person was killed and 400 homes destroyed due to a fast-moving wildfire in Northern California. Officials say two apartment complexes and 10 businesses were also burned to the ground. Most of the destruction occurred in Middletown and Hidden Valley Lake. Four firefighters who are part of a helicopter crew suffered second-degree burns and remain hospitalized in stable condition. A Kentucky police officer was shot and killed last night after a routine traffic stop. 31-year-old Joseph Cameron Ponder, who had been on the force less than a year, was shot several times in the patrol car. And just moments ago, Fox News reported the suspected gunman Joseph Johnson Shanks has been captured. Germany has announced emergency border controls due to the ongoing surge of migrants into that country. The country's interior minister said the border-blocking measures would be temporary. After Chancellor Angela, A, Angela Merkel openly welcomed migrants to Germany, uh, it said it's reportedly re- reaching capacity. Merkel has asked other European nations to help with those looking for a better life. Kim Davis, the Kentucky County clerk who was jailed for not issuing same-sex marriage licenses, returned to work this morning and said she would not stop her deputies from issuing them.
6: I want the whole world to know, be no mistake about it, that if my deputy clerks, who do not have my author- authorization or the authority, they don't have my authority to issue any license whatsoever. I love my deputy clerks, and I hate that they have been caught in the middle. If any of them feels that they must issue an unauthorized license to avoid being thrown in jail, I understand their tough choice, and I will take no action against them. However, any unauthorized license that they issue will not have my name, my title, or my authority on it.
0: Davis said she could not add her, add her name to the licenses because she believes it conflicts with God's definition of marriage. Arizona police arrested three teenagers Saturday night who they say were firing at vehicles with, with a slingshot. But officials said yesterday the incident was not linked to the recent number of unsolved freeway shootings. Novak Djokovic beat Roger Federer in the U.S. Open final yesterday in four sets.
1: It's been an incredible season. Um, next to the 2011, probably the best season of my life. Um, but I'm enjoying this year more than I did any uh, previous one because I'm a husband and I'm a father, and uh, this makes it even, uh, you know, more sweeter, I guess.
0: That was the second title there for Djokovic and his 10th Grand Slam singles title. And for the second straight week...
7: Pressure from behind. Mangum flips it into the end zone. We've seen this before. Touchdown, BYU! Mitchell Jurgens climbs the ladder, plucks it out of the air. And, and nothing less than a prayer.
0: Another great <laughs> TD pass from quarterback Tanner Mangum as BYU beat Boise State 35-24. Kai Nakua had a pick-six after that touchdown pass to seal the victory for the Cougars Saturday night. The Cougars are now ranked 19th in the AP poll and 22nd. In the coaches' poll, wow. wow, and it was great to see Nakua. He was he was suspended for that first game due yeah. to, the, to the brawl at the at the bowl game last year. The so, brawl at the bowl, yeah. Game. So when he picked that, uh, picked that, and took that it back. That was, so was awesome. awesome. Oh, well, that so kind of sealed
3: the deal. It. Uh, it's fun to hear him do the play-by-play. It's so fun, yeah. On these passes, but we have all of these six-foot-six receivers. Mm-hmm. Um and Boise had shorter five foot yeah. eight, five most, nine most ten. T-
0: most players in the secondary are you know that about that range not Man. not super tall but you know the player that was going against Mitch Matthews I I, I was kind of disappointed they couldn't get the ball to Mitch a little bit yeah. more frequently but he was being double teamed and so that let uh, let Mitchell Juergens get That's open how and that so happened. yeah so it was awesome wasn't that a great and Mitchell Juergens is a walk on. I so know he just sure barely got a scholarship. Okay. Oh, did he get the scholarship? Yeah. I didn't see that.
3: Yeah, I think I, I read that somewhere that it was like this week. Oh, wow. I think it was because of last week's performance or something. It was like, now we're going to get you we're a gonna scholarship. We're going to give you
0: one. Yeah, good for him. I, I love these walk-ons that come out, pay, have to pay for everything and, and do such great job. They Isn't that amazing? It. That's fantastic, yeah. Is, uh, That's and then now story. they're
3: going to be playing 13th ranked UCLA, UCLA. which for right. their rankings, this is good.
0: Yeah, it'll be a great I mean, game it's kind of a, on
3: the road. It's a freebie game where you go do the best you can, and right. worst case scenario, you lost to a team that should have beat you.
0: Right. And they've got a great freshman quarterback. So that will be fun, a fun uh, competition between the two Two more games,
3: though, that are monsters, right? Two
0: big ones, yeah. Thinking of this month, I think a lot of people thought if they got out 2-2, two and two, that would be good. And of course, I'm sure after last week, b fans are like, no way, we want to go 4 and We want it all. Yeah, we want the national title.
3: It yeah. is interesting to go against UCLA because yeah. they're so darn good. Yeah. And the freshman quarterback better. against yep. freshman quarterback. Yep. It's going be what? fun. Crazy. Good stuff, Kathy. Well done. Man, honestly, you're killing me, BYU. You're killing me. My heart can't keep up with it. Anyway, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Joe Cannon, our Washington insider, will be joining us. He's going to uh, – we're just going to ask him all things political. Pick his brain. Find out everything you've ever wanted to know. Ben Carson, big table versus little table. Biden, do you think he's in or out? We'll be talking about all things political. Just stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to The Matt Townsend Show. As you know, one of the things we try to do every Monday is cover what's going on politically and especially, you know, catch up on all the talk shows, the political press. We bring in our own expert, Joe Cannon's his name. He was chairman of the Utah Republican Party back in the day, also is, was a candidate for U.S. Senate, served as an assistant administrator of the U.S. Uh, Environmental Protection Agency, and was named editor of Deseret Morning, uh, or Deseret News. In uh, 2006, back in the day. Man, he's done it all. We bring him in to pick his brain, find out uh, what he thinks is going on, what he's hearing on the inside track. His name, Joe Cannon. Joe, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show again, my friend.
7: Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. really appreciate it. You bet.
3: By the way, currently you're serving as CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, trying to lower the gas prices, fuel prices for us here in the United States. Th- thanks for doing that, Joe.
7: Great, thank
3: you. We we need. Uh, I need lower. I need lower gas prices because I might have to buy a bigger a bigger vehicle to get me to work. Um, <laughs> Joe, Joe, here's the deal, my friend. Uh, a, it seems like the more Donald Trump insults women, the more his numbers improve with women. Have you heard that?
7: I've heard that. Yeah. I, not what sure. is the deal? Yeah. Well, I mean, people have endlessly and we have endlessly talked about the Trump phenomenon, and I, I can't explain it. So I, <laughs> I, I'm not going to even try I think, yeah. I, I, what, what What's real here is, is that 75 percent, not just a big number, that's a real number from a poll, they go over the weekend, 75 percent of the people don't trust uh, anyone any yeah. in the of either party. And so all Trump is real, of course his normal message is because I'm the Donald. That's his main message. <laughs> right. But the sub the subtext of all that is I'm not any of these other guys either.
2: Mm-hmm.
7: And um so when you look at that, just say you're you're a woman, okay, you know, yeah, he's a jerk, but you know what? He's maybe he's our he's our jerk. Yeah. You know?
3: He's not with uh, them. He's yeah. he's with us.
7: Yeah, so there's some of that. But reinforcing this is, is that actually um, Ben Carson's numbers are pretty good, too. Right. Relative, Even relative to uh, Trump's, uh, a poll last week showed that Carson beats Clinton by more than Trump beats yeah. Clinton. Yeah. So, you know, you look at all of that together, you know, he's got a core of support, many of whom are women, many of whom are evangelicals, which is also,
8: you know— um,
7: Really hard for me to square up. Uh, why an evangelical would like a guy that doesn't know the difference between the old and the new testament? I don't know. It's just <laughs> and, and it's baffling to me. But um, but anyway, uh, so I don't know why those numbers are going well up with women. It, it's <laughs> it will
3: probably never will never probably understand it. Except we do know it's it's kind of the anti-establishment deal, right? So you've got a Trump, you've got Carson, you have Fiorina. You have um, Bernie Sanders on the left. Any other outsiders? Oh, uh, no, that's it, I guess. That's pretty much
7: it right now, yeah. True
3: blue I, outsiders. I,
7: I, yeah, really, really oh, true outsiders. Obviously, Cruz and uh, uh, Rubio are, you know, trying to position them themselves, but that's getting them low single digits. Right, so, you know, right. That's not working for them so it's clear i mean you, if you put the arena um, Carson and trump together on the Republican side, you're way up you're way about fifty percent yeah so uh and and then on the on the Democrat side, Bernie Sanders is beating uh Clinton by twenty two points in new hampshire and, and ten points in um
2: Iowa.
7: Mm. So now she's got a firewall, you know, at uh, uh, in South Carolina, but even that's eroding. She's not a city in, in South Carolina anymore.
3: Well, I guess that, that's what I, I wanted to ask you, because it seems like we have these outsiders that are running. But again, I'm no political genius, but it seems like who really runs the show are party establishment... And the idea that Trump, Carson, and Fiorina are leading and kind of like taking the taking this whole thing by storm, um, what happens when Trump is who is leading, but the party doesn't the party wants a bush. Meaning the party establishment, meaning the money. Right. Meaning right. so Or when Clinton is actually losing to Bernie Sanders, but the party historically wanted Clinton, and yet Bernie's the one the people want. What happens when the people and the party collide?
7: Well, that that happened in 2008 on the Democrat side. Uh, Hillary was, if anything, even, well, I don't know, more, but the presumptive candidate in 2008 – and she couldn't get across the finish line and I and uh, she uh, she clearly had the establishment which I'll just make a point on the establishment in, in both parties yeah there is some kind of establishment I guess if you look at it in some political science sense but also uh, the, the real establishment is really what you're talking about right now right if the voters in Iowa the voters in New Hampshire the voters in South Carolina the voters in Nevada first really four big states or not actually they're not big states. the first four states, yeah you know with the primaries uh, you know people will learn a lot we'll learn a lot about what uh, what the people really want and it doesn't matter too much what some political consultants or some heavy donors have to say about it and by the way though I don't think it's uniform. I think there are plenty of insiders who could see. Either a Ben Carson or a Carly Fiorina on the ticket. Mm. I don't think many people can see them as at the top of the ticket, but um, I don't. I don't think they're rejected out of hand at all because of that. And in fact, uh, Trump's unbelievable insult, like like Bobby Jindal said, for a guy with a squirrel sitting on top of his <laughs> head to talk about somebody else's yeah. life is. You know, I don't know. Most of our listeners might not know the word "husband," but it's uh, it's like uh, this is uh, this is the definition of husband. Somebody like Donald Trump uh, daring about somebody yeah. else's look. You know? Yeah,
3: well, I mean, he, he didn't uh, mean her looks; he meant her persona.
7: Well, so that's the other thing. <laughs> he, he talks about himself not being a an politician. That's simply a lie. Right. That is simply a lie. You, I heard the quote, uh, as I'm sure everybody else did. Uh, There's no way. He was talking about her persona. Oh, yeah. He was in a room with a reporter, yucking it up about how ugly he thinks she is, just like a fifth grade, insecure, fear, you know, insecure bully at an elementary school play, playground. Right. And, and so then I had to walk it back once they printed that. And all of a sudden it's going, uh, oh, no, no yeah, I met her persona. No, that's not at all.
3: And then he went for the sympathy kind of thing, where he's like, "Look, nobody makes everybody makes fun of my hair, and I don't hear anybody sticking up for that." And it's wow. yeah, and everyone's like, "Well, you don't. We don't have to stick up for you, Donald. You stick up for yourself fine." <laughs> right, right. It's a uh, it's it's just such an interesting. He he's he. It's so weird because Ben Carson seems like he's not strong enough, and yet Donald seems like he's too strong. So I sit there and I think. Do you go for the one that's that's calmer, you know, more pensive, more thoughtful? Uh, and when I'm thinking of somebody holding the, you know, the suitcase that has the nuclear codes in them, I think I'd rather it be a, the calmer, pensive, more thoughtful one.
7: Well, or the guy who, under unbelievable pressure, pressure not even that I can comprehend sits around and, and, and slices apart yep. brains. Uh-huh. Uh, where Conjoined twins. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, uh, yeah. That's who yeah. you want, right. Do, do I think, right. do I think that, that he'll get it? No. But when it comes to Iowa, we're on the Republican side of things. There are lots and lots and lots of deeply believing evangelical voters uh, who don't want a Washington insider establishment person. I think it's going to be really hard for them to go to their caucus and speak up for Donald Trump when, they, when they've got a, a total outsider who's not doing—he's not that far behind mm. Trump in the polls, who, uh, who who speaks to their hearts yeah. in a genuine way. Someone who knows what his favorite scriptures are, verses are, for example, in the Bible. Uh, maybe that Donald Trump doesn't even know that there are verses in the Bible. Maybe that was his problem. Uh, <laughs>
3: I mean, it really is. It seems like Carson's very well positioned now. And um, talk to us about what you think with the debate. So the the debates are coming up. Um, Actually, let's do this. Let's save the debate, because that's a whole other issue we're going to get into. Ben Carson's well positioned. Um, Trump fairly well positioned. Fiorina made it in on the debate. You know, big boy table. When you look at just uh, kind of the Republican debates versus the Democratic debates. Just answer me this before we go to break. Do sure. The Democrats are complaining they need more debates. Uh, what do you think, as a political insider, is it... Do you think that the D- Democratic Party is trying to protect Clinton, as some are claiming, uh, as O'Malley is claiming, or is this just... Why are they cho- choosing to only do six debates?
7: Well... Um, uh, I think the Republicans have too many debates. I think the Democrats have too few debates in general. Yeah. Uh, so so just say that. But it's unquestionable that if, if there's an establishment on the Democratic side, uh, which there is a, an establishment at least that, that governs the debates, Debbie Wasserman Schultz is clearly unmistakably in the corner of Hillary Clinton, huh. because it's, it's, it's certainly and clearly in, in, in Clinton's best interest to have the fewest number of debates possible, because at least until Joe Biden gets in, something we should probably also talk about after the break, yeah, we but will. Uh, until he gets in, or if he gets in, uh, she's running against two, two people who have uh, you know very little name ID. so just giving them a stage is a bad thing from her perspective giving them a stage where they're going to could very likely embarrass her is even a bigger problem. So sure. You're sitting there thinking if she's going to do whatever, ever she can through herself and through her her surrogates to not do any more debates, she absolutely has to put them off as long as possible, too.
3: And doesn't it weaken her? It's got to well, be a weakening because especially she doesn't seem to be the greatest— Politician, anyway.
7: Well, uh, there's a lot of commentary out there, left and right, uh, Republican and Democrat, that are uh, saying, uh, uh, "Hey, she's you know, her problem isn't." Well, you know, some people are saying, "Look, yeah, you've got you've got the email scandal, but that's only giving people an excuse right. to talk about something besides the real problem." which is uh, that she's a pretty horrible candidate. I talked to a guy totally inside the Democratic Party just last week, and uh, he said, you know, I just hate Hillary. Now, this really? is a guy extremely and on the inside of the Obama circle. So, you know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of reasons people, the Obama supporters don't like Hillary. Yeah, But he was just saying, you know, I just can't stand her. He said, "Just it's not about politics or anything." And his tagline was, "And she's a horrible candidate." <laughs> so that that's a, that's from a person totally genuinely, not Democrat. Just a Democrat, but on the on the left, and but someone who, who would be her constituency, a kind of an establishment
2: lawyer
7: mm. in Washington, and you know, so I mean, uh, a lot of people discount the the the, the, the email scandal on on the Democratic side, but then a lot of other people saying, yeah, yeah, even if she weren't a scandal, you know, yeah, turn the sound down and watch her face when she's talking.
3: Yeah, and when she comes off as the nicer Hillary, it doesn't seem as real. I don't know. It's just – and how many – I don't know. However many reboots you need, I think it seems like the Democrats – they 're looking for someone else uh, one way or another we 're again speaking with Joe cannon, our washington insider we 're going to take a break, come back, continue the discussion with Joe. Find out a little bit more about the debates that are coming up Wednesday night. I want to get his take on that also uh, find out about Joe Biden, what he thinks about Joe Biden jumping into the race and if he jumps in, can he really can he really get the money he need? Can he really you know turn off the Clinton machine? Also, I want to get into Super Tuesday. I hear a lot about how, you know, whatever happens in Iowa and New Hampshire, but it's really looking down the road to the the organizations that uh, have already prepared for Super Tuesday may really have the, the big advantage. Stick with us, folks. More with Joe Cannon, our Washington Insider, right here on the Matt Townsend Show. After the break. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. On the phone with this Joe Cannon, our Washington insider, also CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, which you can find at fuelfreedom.org, helping to uh, do what he can to lower the cost of fuel in the United States. We appreciate Joe being here, giving us some insight into the political world uh, back in Washington. Joe, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, Matt. You bet, you bet. So talk to me, Joe, about... Uh, the upcoming debate, they, uh, Fiorina finally made it into the top 11, so that's, we'll just call the big boy table or whatever, the, uh, the grown-ups table. Um, what, do you, what do you think about, w- when she's in there now, what do you do? There's 11 people uh, vying, I guess, aggressively for the Republican attention. What, would you, what advice would you be giving these candidates do we want to go out? Do we want to make a splash? Do you take Donald on on something? What what what's the best way to succeed?
7: You know, I'm not sure there is any way for the non the non non politicians to do anything. They're gonna they're gonna say whatever they're gonna say. They're gonna give their traditional answers,
8: and every one of
7: the responses of Trump is gonna be. Yeah, look, but I can do it better because I'm smarter and I'm, I'm a, a better planner. I'm a better negotiator. I can do everything better than any of you guys could do, by definition, because I'm not you. Right. Now, so the real, to me, I don't know how I would advise a Kasich or a Bush or a Rubio. Uh, Cruz actually will probably do whatever he can to incur, you know, to, to uh, curry favor with the Trump Proud because I think that's where he's trying to position himself now. But the real interesting thing is what, what are Carson and Fiorina going to do? Because they have a, a pretty legitimate uh, claim to the outsider role. They're both coming up in the polls, um, so I, it, it'll be you know more interesting what they do. And I think one of the things that Trump did that could turn out to be the biggest mistake ever that he made was being unkind to Carly Fiorina, who yeah. is. Has quite a few IQ points on him, <laughs> and uh, and she also is just as sharp tongued as he is. Sure. So it'll be uh, uh, it'll be really really interesting to see how she plays it. Well, uh, and I mean that could get crazy, could huh? Yeah. She could just ignore it. Yeah. And that might be the right thing, or she could. Well, I'm sure she's not going to refer to it, but I think it's given her a license to go after Trump in a way that he cannot respond to in the same way as other people. Right. It'll be really, really interesting to see how she does that.
3: It'll Uh, be interesting to see too, if, if Donald jumps on the CNN reporters, like he did the Fox news reporters.
7: Well, okay. One of the most interesting things to keep an eye on, on Wednesday is Hugh Hewitt.
3: Yeah. Oh, that's right. A
7: CNN reporter, but a very thoughtful, conservative guy. Um, you know, people on the left. You know, I think somebody in the New Yorker called him the uh, the thinking man's Rush Limbaugh. Hmm. Uh, he's a very smart guy, law professor, uh, very knowledgeable guy. And, and uh, you know, he interviewed Trump, and Trump, who couldn't know the difference between the Kurds and the Kurds, right? And some of the other things that he was asking him. Instead of just saying, yeah, I'll just, well, he started to say, well, yeah, I'll, I'll study that. I'll, I'll know a lot more about it. All of a sudden, just went bombs away on Hewitt saying, those are gotcha questions. You can't play those gotcha games with me. After I'm president for 24 hours, in 24 hours, I'm going to know more than you'll ever know about this problem. Well, he said that to a guy who's <laughs> a lot smarter than he is. Right. And, and uh, very clever. So I, and then he also called him a, third, a third-rate uh, radio talk show host. Right. No one who knows Hugh Hewitt or knows of Hugh Hewitt would say that. So uh, I don't think that, like, like Fiorina, I don't think he'll even refer to that. But I, he will ask some uh, questions that uh be interesting to see, you know, what comes out of his mouth. And then Jake Tapper is no pushover either. No, exactly. So those and those two are going to be really, really interesting to watch. Well, it seems like they
3: need um, a female uh host up there, because that, that seems to be who Donald targets. Um Talk about one of the things Donald put down was uh Jeb Bush's lack of energy, and supposedly in this next debate, Jeb's going to try to step up and show his energy. What does that look like?
7: Well, it looks to me, yeah, I'm, you're right. Uh, it, it, that's one thing he can do, he, Jeb Bush, could do. I think to be seen... To be responding to Trump only weakens them. Sure, so it's only going to weaken him. You know, uh, who needs to be a high energy president? Jeb Bush is just as high energy as his brother, who was president. As uh, you know, Barack Obama uh, certainly way more energy, energetic than. Dwight Eisenhower, Lyndon Johnson, or Richard Nixon—right, probably a lot like Jimmy Carter. So, I mean, i I, I, all Trump is doing when he puts other people down is trying to enhance himself, and that's what he's doing there. Look, I'm Mister Energy. I'm—I'm you know Mister Energizer Bunny. And look at look at Bush; he's just too placid. Mm. He sort of says the same thing, by the way, about Carson. Uh, Right. So. Uh, well, and then I
3: mean, he even referred to Carson as, I guess, a, an average doctor.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is you can always tell when you've pushed Trump's buttons because he comes back at you, you know, like a fourth, uh, like a fourth grader. Yeah, and starts well, I think it's, naming you know, names.
7: I kind of the thought that's occurred to me lately is that he's really a deeply insecure, yeah, fearful human being. The very kind of guy you don't want to have trying to run this country.
3: Yeah, we don't need, like, deeply insecure people reacting to, you know, insults from Iran or wherever.
7: Or, yeah,
3: yeah. What about, uh, what do you think about the news? Because um, the, the other debate was going to have, I guess, centered was um, Rick Perry. But Rick Perry's now out of the race.
7: Well, you know, I think there's a line somewhere down there with Rick Perry, with... Uh, um,
3: Santorum's down there.
7: Rick Rick Santorum, Huckabee, uh, the Pataki, uh, wow, I can't even remember, the former governor of New Jersey, or of, of, uh, of Virginia is yeah, down there. Yeah, that's right. And a lot of other people are in danger of falling down there, including... People I like a lot, uh, Marco Rubio and, and uh, Kasich, they're, they're down that scale pretty far.
3: I mean, it, it's, it, it is, but they're, they're, I guess they're at least going to be in the main show.
7: They're, yeah, they're at least in the main show. I think um, the kids' table, as they call it, on Wednesday night has no chance of doing what happened last time because Carly Fiorina was the only person capable— of transcending being at the kids' table, hmm. and she did. She did a fabulous yeah, job. Yeah, so she's she did up. Did what she had to do. I don't see how any of the others sitting around there uh, ha- have a chance. The- I mean, they, well, have a chance to they. They might distinguish themselves from each other, but I don't see they have a chance of transcending using that as a as a uh, jumping off point the way that Sienna did.
3: Yeah, no, I think I think I think the the big table, the adult table, or whatever we're calling it. That I guess that is the top eleven. Then I guess that's. Do you suggest? Do you sense that the others are just going to follow the ways of Rick Perry and and jump out eventually?
7: Yeah, because none of them has even close to the has has even close to the resources, both political and and financial, that Rick Perry had. Right, and they're not in the same league as him. And um, so I, I I don't I don't see that getting a lot of somebody getting a lot of traction out of that. Mm. The way they the only way they're ever going to get traction is if they could do something in Iowa or New Hampshire. And and uh, if they can't do that, then they're they're none of them has the resources to sustain themselves to the big Super Tuesday.
3: Doesn't it? What I keep hearing, for example, is about the Super Tuesday and. You know, there's all this talk about Iowa and New Hampshire, but really the Super Tuesday is the big dance where you're going to get, I guess, the most delegates and the most whatever. So is it really, is this an exercise in futility? Because Hillary Clinton's going to be putting a lot of money in Super Tuesday, pretty much guaranteeing, won't she, her ability to win if she can just not bleed out? before Super Tuesday right and same uh, thing on the Republican side won't Bush and those that have more money be just throwing a lot of money down this down the road to Super Tuesday right
7: the answer is maybe too likely but not certainly okay and, and the reason I would say that this year is so far lots of things have defied your standard political analysis even more things that usually defy it. Uh, and, uh, uh, and on the Demo- uh, on the well on the side, let's go there first. Yeah, the, Jeb Bush clearly has the resources. Lots of people like him, but but he's not generating any electricity hmm. in the public opinion polls. And so you know that people are going to go to those primaries. You're going to be thinking about that on the Democrat on the Democrat side. You've got the same problem, only a little bit worse because. Uh, Clinton is not as good a candidate, frankly, even as Jeb Bush is, but you might have Joe Biden to think about. Right. And um,
3: what do you think about that? What's your take on Biden getting in?
7: So I think what he says is actually true. I think he is really agonizing over whether uh, he can he can do it. He can pull it off. And I, I don't know that it's not just whether he can be Hillary. I think it's whether. A 70-year-old guy is going to have the energy to go into the fight. Now, I don't know anything about his health, but Bernie Sanders is older than, I think, older than mm. Joe Biden. He seems to have an awful lot of energy <laughs> yeah. when he's out there on So uh, I don't know. I think it's a genuine personal decision he's wrestling with. And some of the people I've talked with in Washington who know him say that's true. That it's yeah. not a, it's not, this isn't a ploy. He's genuinely thinking about it. But a lot of people want him to go. A lot of people want him to go. Lots, lots and lots of people in the Obama team want him to go. And plenty of other Democrats are saying, whoa, we might need a plan B out there. Right. And he's a pretty doggone good-looking plan B if you're on the Democrat side of things.
3: It seems like he can't keep saying how t- how emotionally tired he is. Because well, it, it seems like the more you say there. that, you're killing yourself.
7: And sooner or later, that's going to turn out to be a mistake if, if he keeps that up. But yeah. I, I think if he decides to go and he pulls the trigger, he comes out with a, you know, a, a very his friendly, avuncular Biden self. Uh, I think he can put that to rest. But you're right. Yeah, I agree. You can't do that. You can't do that in, he can't do that in uh, December.
3: No. No, but see, and that's what's interesting is, man, he comes out. It's a whole different ball game because then it is pretty much Obama against Clinton, right? I mean, overtly, head to head, blood sport.
7: Yeah, and uh, one of those teams won and one of those teams didn't win in two thousand and eight. Yeah.
3: Oh man, Crazyville! Hey, talk uh, just as we're wrapping up. What do you think? What else have we missed? What else should we be talking about or worrying about when it comes to the world of politics?
7: Well, I mean, this is my own bias. I try to be pretty nonpartisan most of the we do here, but I am sick in my heart about the Iran deal, and uh, it just just forget about Iran getting a nuclear weapon. That's a foregone conclusion. We're giving them one hundred and fifty billion dollars tomorrow yeah uh, and 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 there's going to be blood as a consequence of that they, they, they we already acknowledged that they, they themselves acknowledge, I guess that they they are the leading state sponsors of terror, and we're, we're going to fill up their coffers so you take that that problem and you see the consequences of that of these masses and hundreds of thousands of millions of refugees trying to go any place, uh, Europe in particular, but any other place than where they are, Syria, Jordan, uh, uh, Tunisia, uh, Libya, you're saying Iraqi Christians, you're saying a much more destabilized Middle East than the one that we're looking at right now. And I think the Iran deal is... is, uh, symptomatic, maybe emblematic of the problem there. So we're we're to to give President Obama his due. I think what he believes is is that if he could strengthen Iran, putting another power in play in the Middle East, that would be a good thing. Yeah. I think a lot a lot of people I, I'm not smart enough to know the answer to that, but a lot of people I do regard as smart enough don't you know think this is a recipe for a disaster. For again, laying aside the, uh, nuclear weapon, which is, is inevitable one way or the other.
3: Right. That's not even you're not even talking about just the political, you know, dirtiness of it. And it was a dirty victory for Obama yeah. the way that was pushed through. And um, and yet, yeah, you're talking just about the reality for Israel and the reality for the Middle East.
7: It's, it's, yeah, I'm, I've, I've stated many times on your show, unequivocally pro-Israel, but. I'm saying, think of the, the poor, downtrodden, miserable tens of millions of refugees whose lives are in danger uh, because of this lack of stability over there.
2: Mm,
7: sure. Those are the suffering. The, the people that we are called to worry about are not just our Jewish friends, but the, all of the sad, those sad pictures of people fleeing. Yeah whatever kind of misery and all all of that I think this Iran just pours a little gasoline on that fire. Mm-hmm.
3: Right. Plus just past handlings of Syria as well. And I mean it's a Syria, yeah.
7: Libya yeah. I mean we, it's, it's in a, chaos, a, isn't a stable it? Stable country. Okay, so Muammar Gaddafi was an idiot, but he was a stable idiot, <laughs> generally right. pro American. Yeah. Syria, we've completely messed up there. And that hundred and fifty billion that's going to Iran is going to go directly
3: to that uh, battle
7: into Syria, to that battle, we, there, there's no question about that. Not, not to mention it going directly into people who want to shoot missiles into into Israel. Uh, but true. you've got you've got uh, uh, that this the Arab Spring that a lot of people had had hope for is turning into. An Arab nightmare.
3: Yeah, Arab sprung. Um, it's uh, yeah. You know what? And I, I'm glad you bring that up, Joe, because it's we don't pay attention to it. I think it's just it's just the level of complexity of it makes it easier to just move on and not pay attention to
7: it. But well, no one thing. We we see a consequence now every time you turn the news on, you'll see a consequence of hundreds of thousands and millions of people wanting to go someplace they're not, and a lot of them wanting to go to Europe. Yeah, uh, and uh, a lot of them want to come here. It's mm-hmm. harder to get here. But
3: uh, uh, it's interesting
7: because yeah, no one's flinged no one to Russia or China, by the way. That's right, right. Little
3: well, and Europe <laughs> wasn't as excited to get involved in any of that anyway, but now they're paying the price, too. So. Uh,
7: right, and they, they, it's very tough to shut off their borders. It's yeah. Really
3: tough. And, yeah, no, interesting stuff. Joe Cannon, so appreciate your Great insight. Again, you can find out more about Joe and his work with Fuel Freedom uh, Foundation by going to fuelfreedom.org. He's our insider, giving us, uh, you know, everything we need, really. Some ideas, some just some direction. And what's going on in the political world? We'll take a break, come back, wrap up this first hour of the show. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show.
9: Through the Garage Door is in your
5: average rock show, and it doesn't have your average host. Don will go above and beyond to give you everything that you've been needing each week. That No matter how dark the night is, Don will come. That's me. Don's your eye. Don's your eye. Don's I'll have
9: pizza and ice cream for you. You can't get much better than that. Through the Garage Door, weekdays at 12 a.m. Eastern on BYU Radio. Talk about
2: good.
7: Ideally, when we
3: see this play, it's like, Why do I not feel okay with this? Because there's a piece of that
7: that's me, and I understand that.
0: Join Thinking Aloud as they consider the
4: thought-provoking questions you want to know.
7: I understand the desire for more, and I understand feeling like I've earned it.
4: Weekdays at 9 Eastern on BYU Radio.
7: They didn't know it was precious yet. No one had decided (laughs) that it was important and precious and should be kind of chewed in the mouth.
3: Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, Joe brings up a, a really important topic and discussion when you think of all of these these people fleeing Syria, and by hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them trying to get free and away from uh, what's going on there in Syria. And at some point, we just you know we just sit here and we watch it. And, you know, the Pope's coming, so the Pope talks about everybody needs to get over there and open up their their countries. But meanwhile, we, we had big debates a, a few months ago, plus last summer, about refugees fleeing to our borders. And, you know, we really struggled with that idea. If we were over there and all of these Syrian refugees were swimming up on the shores, how would we handle it based on what just the political... Language that's been thrown around about refugees. Think of it. We Would we be rejecting them? Just the discussions that were happening at the border last summer. Anyway, the Dalai Lama has a great quote that says, Love and compassion are necessities, not luxuries. Without them, humanity cannot survive. Even Donald Trump said, I don't like the idea, but we'd have to help them. Right, that's I mean, compassion and love would say, "Yeah, we're who else should help them?" So, notice at some point there's going to be a a personal face, a private face. There's pictures of a father with a child floating through the water, trying to get his his child to safety. These are real people with real issues with real pain. And somebody's got to lead out on it. It better be the United States, right? We have the values. We have the principles. Anyway, interesting stuff. Even though it's political, it's still personal when it comes to your values and your principles. We'll take a break, my friends. That's hour number one of The Matt Townsend Show. Next hour, more ideas, more tools to help you find the good in the world. In fact, we're going to be giving you three basic keys to create a healthier marriage. A lot of them have to do with your health, by the way, your physical exercise. Stick with us. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio.
0: This is The Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter
1: at Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call
2: the show at 1 855 Chat BYU.
1: This is The Matt Townsend Show.
2: Dr. Matt
4: Townsend.
3: Now on BYU Radio.
4: BYU Radio.
3: Good morning everybody, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show, hour number two, top of the morning to you. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side, happy eat a hoagie day. Yum. Are you a hoagie eater?
0: Yeah, I like hoagies.
3: I used to love it until Jared Fogle.
0: Yeah, that was not good. I wonder if that's, how much that's hurt them.
3: I think that sound's hurting more than anything. <laughs> Again, some great audio by Ben Wozden eating mm. a hoagie.
0: And your favorite hoagie is?
3: My favorite hoagie. It's pathetic.
0: It's a pathetic hoagie. It's,
3: it's just I just like a turkey hoagie.
0: Nothing else on it.
3: I like this is my order. Uh, I'll have a turkey on honey oat wheat oat bread, <laughs> uh, light lettuce,
0: uh huh, tomato,
3: tomato, cucumber. Anything crunchy, because uh-huh. that's in lieu of chips. Mm-hmm. And in lieu of chips. I like uh, I like banana peppers. Mm-hmm. I do too. Mm. I'm getting hungry. Yeah. And then I'd like you to top it with a gallon of mayonnaise and Miracle Whip. <laughs> no. I, then I just...
0: Yeah, are you a Miracle or a miracle Mayo? Whip, miracle Whip. I mean whip. a Mayo or Miracle I
3: like sugar in my Mayo. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want just mail.
0: You know, you either like it or you don't. I know. I don't want... like middle ground.
3: No. I'm a, I'm a Miracle Whip uh-huh. guy. And someday I'll teach you how to make a, a potato chip sandwich.
0: A potato chip sandwich. Oh, that's good and crunchy. So good. So good.
3: Piece of heaven is what it is. <laughs> hey, did you hear today also is Boss Employee Exchange Day. So today's wow. the day we exchange roles with our bosses.
0: Are you going to take Don's job today?
3: You know what? I wouldn't touch jo- Don's <laughs> job. That is the worst job on earth. Because you got to talk to people. They're all like, i got a question.
0: Well, you're talking to people every day. Nah, I but don't. they don't talk back. Is that the... Yeah. Is that the okay. People
3: are paying me to <laughs> okay. talk. To. Yeah, but Don has to listen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't want Don's job. It's too hard. I mean, he does a great job at it. But... Yeah. Yuck. Hey, did you hear this? This is crazy. Uh, are you a runner?
0: I do run, huh?
3: Okay, we'll stop it. it. Because listen to this. New research on running emphasizes the fact that running too much may be just as bad as being sedentary.
0: Hmm. Bad in what way? On your joints? On your heart?
3: Yeah, right, Ben? Ben's breathing
5: hard. I I was just running barely, so I...
3: I don't think... I I was watching you. You didn't move. (laughs) You just stood up out of your chair and you winded. Well,
5: it's it's stationary running, so I was... Yeah.
3: Researchers tracked some 1,100 healthy runners and 413 sedentary folks for over a period of more than 12 years, according to Health Day reports. And people ranged in the ages of 20 to 95. The risk of dying during the study turned out to be approximately the same among heavy runners and those who ran quickly more than three days a week for a total of more than four hours versus the sedentary people. So if you ran a lot and you ran a total of about four hours a week,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you were just as likely to die as those that didn't move. That's
0: depressing. I know. I know. You know, though a lot of my running is not necessarily physically, it's emotionally. It, 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 for those endorphins. It, it gets that's, rid of that. Yeah. yeah. You're I, just I self-medicating. I a lot for that. There you yeah. go. Exactly. Have you yeah. ever
3: tried, you know what you ought to try is not eclair. Claire?
0: And I'm I will eat an eclair and then, then I'll way. go run just to make sure that the eclair <laughs> yeah. doesn't stay on my hips. That's yeah. what, that's what uh-huh. you're doing. That's you why know, it's I healthy. think, especially these ultra marathoners, like yeah. 50 to 100, I just think long term they're going to find out that is not good.
3: Well, I mean, all you have to do is watch them run across the finish line.
0: Yeah, and that'll do.
3: No one looks worse than those people. <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, look at your face, for heaven's sake. You
0: know, though, I'm glad I ran a couple of marathons. I loved it, and I'm glad I did it. Really? Yeah, I'm really glad I did it. A couple of St. George marathons, yeah. Southern Utah. Yeah, that I, was really fun. The fun yeah. one. Which one? It was literally after 9/11. Yeah. And we all got to pick a name for someone that died in 9/11 oh, and cool. put that on our number, and and we and got to run for, for them. them. And people were playing patriotic yeah. music as we ran. That was that was See, really that a great experience. Cool. Yeah, that was really cool.
3: Yeah. I'd I'd rather drive it. <laughs> I drive a marathon every way, every time to work. Oh,
0: uh, you know our middle boy is running it this year. Really? So we're going to go down to cheer him on and I said, you know, you when you get on the bus and they drive you to the starting starting line, you're going this is really long. No, this is so.
2: <laughs> I have far. to run
0: all the way back.
3: Yeah, that is crazy.
0: And then then we then we're about the halfway mark. We look at our watches. You know, I don't know. We're about two hours in. Going. I think the winners are about ready to cross the finish line. We still have thirteen miles to go.
3: Jeez, oh, that is <laughs> That's so kind of depressing. Right in there, but Honestly. it's fun. I enjoy it, it.
0: I do enjoy it.
3: Yeah. i No, but I've heard so many stories. Yeah. People get sick. Yeah. It's not good.
0: Oh yeah, you can definitely no, get it's sick. Not good. Yeah.
3: It's you know what? So the rule is basically
0: Just don't run. Just don't run. Don't exercise. The group just be By the way, you want
3: to know the very group that had the very best. The best results were the people that ran a slowish pace, about five miles per hour, less and and they only did it three times a week.
0: That were the, those were the those healthiest are the just healthiest three times a week of okay. everybody. Huh.
3: So you don't want to be just the sedentary folk, and mm-hmm. you don't want to just be the runners, just be the slow runners. Mm-hmm. Now, in in yeah, the I'm real not world, fast.
0: I'm definitely not a fast runner. Well,
3: in you know, if you're being chased by a cheetah, then you'd be fast. You'd want to be uh-huh. fast. You, you don't want to be, to be, be <laughs> a slow runner. <laughs> But if you're not being chased by a cheetah, and that happens slow run. So.
0: That's, right.
3: that's right. So unless there's like a wild animal after uh-huh. you, just slow down. Just run slow
0: it. it down. Okay. I, you I know like what? That. I'm trying
3: to find the research that <laughs> helps trying
0: to find the good in validate
3: the world. my my lifestyle. <laughs> that's it. Okay. Uh, well, that's that's that for that. Uh, I guess hey. I won't be running today nope. then. Yep. Running's done. Yeah. If you can't, go ahead. Run a little bit, but put an eclair in one hand and just slow it down a bit.
0: <laughs> and Fritos in the other, my favorite. Oh, I love it. Isn't that, that good? The salty and the sweet. That would be good. Mm. I love the, the Fritos with something oh. sweet. Yeah. There you go.
3: I'm going to Subway today. This segment brought to you by Subway. Not really. Let's go to Kathy and find out what's going on in the rest of the world.
0: Yeah. Good morning, everyone. The Manhunt in is over in Kentucky after a police trooper was shot and killed last night. 25-year-old Joseph Johnson Shanks was captured this morning, accused of killing 31-year-old rookie trooper Joseph Cameron Ponder during a traffic stop. A fast-moving wildfire in Northern California has claimed one life and destroyed hundreds of homes and businesses. The blaze known as the Valley Fire has forced thousands to flee their homes. Here's California Department of Forest Protection spokesman Daniel
9: Berlant. What we're seeing here are extremely fast-moving wildfires that are burning at the same intensity like we would see in a Santa Ana wind event. The only difference here, the winds are nowhere as close as they would be in a Santa Ana wind event. With a little bit of wind and the dry conditions though, they have been enough to burn at explosive rates and have unprecedented amount of acres burn in such a short amount of time.
0: Governor Jerry Brown declared a state of emergency yesterday to free up resources. Kim Davis, the Kentucky County clerk who was jailed for not issuing same-sex marriage licenses, was back at work this morning. Davis said she would not stop her deputies from issuing them, but doubts they would be valid without her name on them. Davis said she would not issue the licenses due to her religious beliefs. Three teenagers were arrested in the Phoenix area after hitting at cars with slingshots. Authorities say those were copycat attacks and not related to the recent shootings on Interstate 10.
9: I am not at liberty really to discuss that. I think there are
0: three different MOs. I couldn't tell you if it's more people or it's the same group of people or it's a guy changing what he's doing. That was Arizona Department of Public Safety spokesman Bart Graves. NBA Hall of Famer Moses Malone died yesterday at the age of 60. Malone was a three-time MVP and 12-time All-Star. He played for eight teams in his 20-year career. He helped the Philadelphia 76ers to the NBA title in 1983. Malone was found in his hotel room. Officials say there was no indication of foul play. Novak Djokovic beat Roger Federer in four sets yesterday to win his second U.S. Open title.
3: I, you know,
1: you can always give your best on the court and I, I was trying to do so, obviously stepping uh, on the court and knowing that he's going to be very aggressive and he's never going to drop too much his level. He's always going to take the best out of you and uh, that was needed from my side in order to win this trophy and it's, it's a quite incredible evening for me.
2: Now, I
0: don't know if you know the big news though, Matt. What? At the open was when Serena Williams oh, was upset yeah. by Roberta Vinci. Yeah. I mean, who's Roberta Vinci? Who's you know? Roberta? Yeah. And Williams' overwhelming favorite. People people are calling it the biggest upset in the history of tennis. She Did was you watch unrated. Any of it?
3: Yeah. No, but I well, I watched the replays of it.
0: Oh, it was crazy. I was I left I left it about. Let's see. I think it was three all in the four, in the third set, and I thought, oh, you know, she's going to yeah. win. Serena does that a lot. She'll win the first, lose the second, and I thought, oh, yes. Yeah, she pull this out, and I came home, and my husband said she lost. I said, "No, she didn't. There's no way." Yes. Yeah, that was a four. huge upset. And then, but I loved her her post match interview on the court. I did too. Oh, she's like, "I'm sorry, everybody, but I'm today's so my sorry. day. You know, I'll never have that day ever again." And like, and I, they, that he was was, great. I think
3: they were asking her, "Do did you did you?" think you could do this right. and she's like oh no oh, no, no I never thought not at it. <laughs> all no
0: of course not Isn't yeah what did you when you woke up what were you think he's like yeah no not serena not no. serena just thinking hit the ball hit the ball don't think of serena on the other side <laughs> yeah it was awesome i loved it you've got you know, a
3: great little uh, french you. is that french italian well, i was accent. trying to make it italian I'm yeah sure, that, but it sounded was. french yeah but okay very thanks. could be italian of you.
0: I'm, Very not good, European. I'm not good at that, sorry. It Very almost sounded German to me.
3: Did it come off German? No, that
0: wasn't. Oh, Definitely not, not German, no. no. That was but I've been to incredible. Italy. Yeah. I've been to Italy, and so maybe I was
3: maybe. thinking it
0: was a little bit more. And you are a off. tennis player. Love tennis. Yeah, that's probably my favorite sport. You know what? My whole thing with Serena Williams, she is, there's she's no amazing. doubt she's one of the best ever, has one of the best two-handed backhands. But I would love to see her in her prime play Martina yeah. or Steffi Graf.
3: Muscle for muscle yeah, and see.
0: right. right. Especially Martina. Martina was a servant volley. You yeah. know, she'd get up to the net. And I would love to see those in the prime. Obviously, you're never going to see that, but I would love to see who would win those. It's
3: also, the, it's neat to see those women talk about Serena because mm-hmm. they're like, she's the best ever. Exact.
0: Oh, Chris Everett, for sure. She she's by Chris Everett was yeah. more, Chris Everett, I think, would have, uh, I don't know if she would have been. Killed by Serena, but well, she just her game Serena's was not a power muscle, game. Her power, yeah. Oh, when you're serving 128 miles per hour, well, Navratilova
3: you know. versus Serena would mm-hmm. be like would be a great. total, you know, you know, muscle off. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when Ben and I go do exactly. it. exactly very
0: similar. I mean.
5: Uh huh. <laughs> I don't like to think about that.
3: Why?
0: Oh, just we'll think. need to get. We'll need to play some doubles.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We ben, to. Do...
0: Ben and Ben and I will take on you and Terry. Let's do it. Yeah.
3: I wonder if Terry plays. I'm going to bet not
0: we'll have to have a fun wager.
3: Ooh, this could be fun. I get Dawn.
0: Oh, Ben's over there mouthing. I'm not very good. That's okay, good. Ben. Perfect. No, no, no. That's <laughs>
3: the deal. Out. No, that's the deal. We'll, we'll she go threw down the golf. That's it. She threw it down. We'll,
5: we'll do like a biathlon thing. <laughs> no, no, no,
3: no, no, no. We're not supposed to overdo this. Remember.
0: That's okay, Ben. I'll take three quarters so, of the quarter. If you can take a quarter,
3: I love I'll
5: be okay. up. The upper okay. third. We're doing it.
3: Planet. Yeah, okay. you do that. I'll stay back. Set your VCRs. <laughs> Set your DV No one does VCR anymore. We're going to uh, take a break. When we come back, Dr. Lee Johnson will be joining us. How to improve your marriage. Would you believe it's simply eat, sleep, get a hobby? Eat, sleep, get a hobby, folks. Three basic rules to help you uh, have a healthier, happier marriage. Stick with us. Dr. Lee Johnson from BYU's Department of Family Life will be up next giving us some insight into... uh, You know, improving your marriage in a way you may not have ever thought about it. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to The Matt Townsend Show. You know, there are plenty of self-help books out there on the market for how to improve your marriage, right? There are hundreds of pins and Pinterest boards dedicated to the subject. Wouldn't it be nice, though, if there were just three simple pieces of advice that would help, right? That are just easy to remember. And today our guest is Dr. Lee Johnson, Associate Professor in the Department of Family Life here at Brigham Young University. And he joins us here live now uh, to help us understand what those three keys are to uh, improving your marriage, our Dr. Lee Johnson. Welcome to the show, my friend. Yeah, thank you for having me. Good to have you here. You know, it's, I see, like, so I have a coaching company where we coach couples on conversations and on how to create a healthy relationship. And it seems like a lot of the problems that deal with uh, our relationships, they might not even be directly about the marriage. It's more just about not getting on each other's case and kind of not not running, not hurting, not chasing, not yelling, not reacting.
8: Yeah. I would I would say that's pretty accurate. I've, what, the way I got into these kind of three ideas that we're going to get to is I've been seeing clients for about 23 years and yeah. teaching therapy, people how to be therapists. And it was – you'd, you'd sit with a couple and you'd do a lot of communication training and different things like right. that. And, and they'd get it. They're in your office and they'd get it and they, they're able to do these skills and they'd go home and come back and say, yeah, it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> And we're yeah. a little bit happier, but we're not there. And so I started thinking there's got to be more to right. a marriage than just communication training or how to right. say something differently.
3: Because yeah, you can't just keep formulating how you're going to say it. Right. Because at some point, the person actually has to be responsible enough
8: to hear it. Right. And to not react. Yeah. And so I, I started looking at a lot of the neuropsychology stuff and, and how our physiology is is related to connection and protection and survival. Right. And so I, I, I started reading emotional regulation literature, talking to people in that area, and it, I was surprised to learn that most of our emotional response happens before we're conscious about it.
3: Yeah. So so, so you're saying we are more – we are going to emotionally react to something long before we're actually consciously
8: noticing what
3: we're reacting
8: to. Yeah, and by long, it's probably milliseconds. Yeah, yeah. But, but, yeah, but it's already driving It's the already emotion. driving. Yeah, the emotions are already up. You're already angry. You're already in protection or survival mode. Right. So you're reacting to your spouse and you're not in a place where you can connect. So survival and connection are very different reactions and they usually don't happen together.
3: You would think that we would have evolved beyond just having our survival mechanism running our communication,
8: right? I mean we should – but the reality is, is no, everything runs through that, I'm assuming. Yeah, survival is a lot of it. And and by life experiences, our survival mechanisms can become – what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of – Miswired, yeah, like heightened, yeah. Heightened. So yeah. that we're, we're – you know, someone looks at you funny and they're just looking at yeah. – it has nothing yeah. to do with you. What are you looking at? And yeah, then, then what are you looking at? And your fight. survival kicks in and you're anxious and upset and there's no malice on the other person's part. Sure. And that happens a lot in couples. So, so for example, you're eating dinner and, and you take a bite of your food and you, you hit something funny. Yeah. And you make a grimace and your, your spouse thinks, what? I'm, I'm a bad cook, yeah. I'm a bad homemaker, I'm a bad whatever – and then their yeah. fight or flight is off to the races, and and they're not able to communicate or connect. John Gottman called that the that's kind of emotional flooding. Yeah. So you're basically saying,
3: um, subconsciously, we're going to start getting chemically flooded. Right. Long before, not long, but milliseconds right. before we're
8: cognitively thinking about what's right. going on. So our body's kicked in. Yeah. The physiology is ready to survive or protect, and then we're aware it's happening. So if if that's
3: Happening and that's – to me, that's, that's the universal kind of male-female conflict pattern issue right. is once that kicks in, one of us might become aggressive in talking right. and one of us
8: might become a, a withdrawer, a, right. a, a, somebody that wants to get away. Yeah, the demand-withdraw pattern is very yeah. popular in the sciences, you know, in yeah. the culture. But if you think about demand-withdraw, they're both the same thing. They're both fight or flight. It's fight right? or flight. So demanding is fighting. Withdrawing yeah. is flighting. It's the yeah. same physiological reaction they're both having.
3: So once we so really you're saying in in your experience it's just fight or flight we have to overcome to produce yeah. healthier
8: relationships. Yeah and and it's not totally about overcoming it because we want that we want, we want right? fight or flight because it's also fight flight and mate. Yeah. That's another part of it. Yeah and it's fighting and flighting, in that is is for survival. I mean if you're being chased by a bear yeah. you you, you want run. this system yeah. to kick in yeah, right? You, or yeah get muggers after you right. want the system to kick in you don't want to get rid of it, right? you want it to fire when it's appropriate, not right. when your spouse is making a funny case or something that, like that.
3: Yeah. Isn't it funny that we, we would – our body could make the exact same response to a mugger. Right. Or your partner saying, can we talk? Yeah. <laughs> and it's it, – It's the same it's physiology. It's not the same – but yeah. it's not the same issue. You know, right. One loves you and just wants yeah. to solve a problem and one wants to kill you. Yeah. It's a big difference. So when we – you're basically have found that if we could somehow figure out how to manage those fight or flights better, we would then right. do better. And you've, you've come up with three specific tools, I guess, keys, areas
8: that we could work on that would actually enhance our marriage. Right. What are those? So I, the, the three things that I focus on a lot are managing our stress and, and physical exercise and sleep. Mm. Are the three main ones, and there's a lot that goes into those, but those are the three main categories that I think are important because you can't get rid of your fight or flight response. But if you have if you have less stress, the chance of that firing yeah. goes down. Yeah. And the little things, if you're if you're right up against your fight or flight threshold, and and some cuts you off in traffic, you're going to be upset. But if you have a wider space or wider window, yeah, you can someone cut you off and you get a little bit stressed. You come back to baseline. You don't fly you don't off the handle. Blow off. You don't blow off. For a little thing,
3: and so so, really, so the managing stress, physical exercise, and sleep
8: those help us, I guess, manage the fight or flight, like reactive tendency. Yes, it helps make it less likely to fly off for small things. You're still, even if you're really at a, a nice, relaxed, calm, you know, that rest digest yeah. physiology, and a bear starts chasing you, or a mugger comes after you, you'll go to fight or flight really quick. Right. But we don't want that to happen when. Someone asks you a question, yeah. your wife says, hey, can I ask you something? Can I talk to you?
3: Or just when somebody
8: spills milk. Or somebody spills milk, yeah. And then all kids, of a sudden you're going off. Your kids like, spill milk, yeah.
3: Isn't that – are there some people that are just born more reactive? I they're, think there are. They're just are. wired to just – and then I guess some of it, I guess they're, they've learned it.
8: But what we've, what we've kind of discovered through um, seeing clients and teaching people and also doing reading in the literature is that our – Life experiences change our physiology in a way that makes that more likely. Yeah. So people have been through abusive experiences or even it could be a a smaller abusive experience where your parents made you feel worthless numerous times. Right. Not intentionally, but they just kind of sent that message. Put you down, yeah. Put you down, be perfect, do all the right things all the time. That can kind of lead to – so anytime someone gives you feedback, you go to the worthless – rather than constructive feedback, you go worthless. That hurts you're in survival mode.
3: And then you I guess that creates then your brain just knows, okay, run the script. Run yeah. the script. This basically. is where fight That's or flight always works. Yeah. 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 Isn't that interesting? So we really are very we're kind of script we're scripted. Yeah should, to be fight or flight. And I guess
8: your brain's not going to rewrite the script because you didn't die. So it's working. Right. But it, it does rewrite it does change your brain physiology a little bit for protection. So once you've been hurt in certain ways, there you go. there's a part of your brain that says, hey we're not going to have that happen again. Yeah. It's why people are afraid of dogs after they've been bit, and they might, you know, freeze when they see a dog. They don't even know what's there, but they see it out of the corner of their right. eye, and go, "Something's wrong," and they turn, and then they see the dog. Yeah, it's the same thing. You know, you go to that worthless place, and then you're yeah, your brains yeah. off. The script's running, like you said, and and then then you then the script becomes automatic. Right, that's your and it's pre conscious.
3: That's right. See, exactly. So so you're not even choosing it, and right. then all you can do
8: is once it's conscious. I guess... You can start choosing your reaction. Yeah, we need a better right. script Right, but it goes reaction. fast. Yeah, that's like all happens within milliseconds. Yeah, millisecond. within milliseconds. Oh, and you might even react. Right. So you might, the, the conscious might kick in and then you react. So yeah. your part you can control is still within milliseconds.
3: Well, and I always teach that I can have a script, my wife can have a script, counter to my script, yeah. and it can all fire just like a dance, and it's all working, and before either of us are even aware of it. Right. You can even have... You could be feeling something weird before you even get home and have something to blow up about.
8: Yeah, just the anticipation and, yeah. of of your wife or spouse, your husband asking you how your day was, and you, you know, whatever. Like I don't want to answer that boom, question. Or here we go. Here we go. The kids are cranky all day. Your spouse is cranky when you get home, and you're thinking, I don't want to get home. So you're already yeah a little amped. bit physiology amped and. <laughs> yeah. Lee, it's crazy.
3: Uh, let's take a break. We're speaking with Dr. Lee Johnson, associate professor in the Department of Family Life here at Brigham Young University. He teaches therapists how to be therapists here at uh, BYU and uh, has many, many years of experience in this field. We'll take a break, come back, continue the discussion, especially we're going to get in-depth on some of his tools for managing stress, physical exercise, and sleep and how that might Give us a little bit more uh, space to make healthier, better decisions in our marriages. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Would you believe that uh, managing your stress, physical exercise, and sleep could seriously, dramatically, uh, positively impact your marriage and relationship? Well, according to our guest uh, right now, Dr. Lee Johnson, who is uh, a family therapist and a, a researcher here at Brigham Young University. He's also a, uh, one of the professors here. He's been studying it for a long time and is here to teach us today that uh, it matters. How you manage your fight or flight response may be one of the best investments you make in creating a healthy marriage.
8: Yeah, I would say so.
3: I mean, it's it seems like a no-brainer, but we don't always tie it, right? But right. you know, I mean, a lot of the worst arguments take place about 1130 at night when yeah. people are
8: tired. and Some of the worst advice I think I got was don't go to bed. Angry. angry. I know. I and hear I'm that like, all the time. If you go to bed angry and sleep it off, you wake up and that's right. My wife and I have numerous times like, "What were we fighting about last night?" I'm like, "I don't even remember." It's not a I big don't, deal. Yeah. And, uh, Why didn't we just? I'm go sorry. To bed? I got mad. We apologize and yeah. move on. Yeah. So and it's.
3: I mean, I guess that's great advice if you're two people that couldn't sleep otherwise. Yeah, maybe. But if yeah. you're two people that could sleep, fine. But the more tired you get, the worse it's going to get. <laughs> I right? know exactly. So yeah. talk to us about really um, you. You kind of you recommend eating better, sleeping, get a hobby. Yeah. What does any of that have to do with managing emotional stress?
8: So what it, what it has to do is that if we think of our fight or flight, there's a threshold where we're going to hit our fight or flight and survival and protection kind right. of reactions are going to kick in. If we can manage our life so that we have more space before that kicks in, and I know it's not really space, but that's kind of the metaphor. Yeah, it it really is. It's kind of yeah.
3: Stephen Covey always called it that space between stimulus and response. Right. The ability to widen that gap a little bit. We want that wider. And so
8: some of the things you can do, I I think managing your stress is get a hobby, get something you enjoy doing with other people outside of your relationship. Yeah. you, You want to spend as much time with your spouse as possible, but I think time away from your family. Doing something you enjoy for you is good.
3: It seems like there's an unrealistic expectation sometimes that your spouse is supposed to do everything for you. They're supposed to be
8: there for everything you need. Yeah. But is that realistic? For some people, it probably is. I I haven't met many. yeah. Um, But I think having a break sometimes, having your own ideas, your own hobbies that you can then talk to your spouse about is a good thing.
3: And you don't have to share every hobby with you. Like It might be great that – if your husband likes to golf, let him go golf. Yeah. Let
8: him get rid of right. some of that energy. I like fly fishing. My my yeah. wife one day said, "Hey, can I come?" I said, "You can come," but she said, "Well, maybe I'll take it up." I said, "I'd rather you not." Yeah, don't take it personally. But this I like is... to go do that with other friends or by myself. Right, and she's like, "Yeah, that's fine." But she has she likes to sing, so you know she does her hobbies. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. But the hobby then, I guess, is an outlet, really, right? Yeah, emotional outlet. But it it allows you to kind of decompress. It allows you to relax. I think the other the other big one for stress is how we set our goals. A lot of them we, we do what's what people call smart goals and it comes from the world of business, which it really right. works when you can control everything, but in our lives we can't control everything and we can't control our emotional responses. And so setting these goals that are hard and fast actually cause more stress than they're worth. Right. And and you really you know, you set yourself up for failure. Stress is the anti achievement emotion. If you're <laughs> yeah. really stressed, you won't achieve your goals. And that's true. So setting these goals that are overly rigid and overly Well, like think of that, like uh, I've got to get this done tonight. Yeah.
3: But your kids have a report. They want your time and your attention. Right. So and you want to be a good dad. So you're trying to give your kids time. But and you're so, yeah, you got to be flexible,
8: don't you? Right. And it's it's kind of interesting that a lot of the goals we set are things like I'm never going to get angry at my spouse again or yell, you know. Yeah. Well, you can't control if you get angry or not because that's the pre-conscious part. You can control your reaction afterwards. So setting that goal of "I'm never going to do that again" is setting yourself up for failure because yeah. your body will do it again at some well, point. Well, and
3: it too, like I, you see a lot of people that are trying to break a habit or are right. trying to stop looking at pornography, and they'll say, "I'll never, I'll never
8: have that desire again." Right. But the desire you're saying is the preconscious. preconscious. That's that desire is going to be there. Uh, it's right? just what you do with the desire that's the important. Well, you thing. talked about fight, flight, or mating. That's yeah. that's an innate right. Physiology, so you're going to have those thoughts again, yeah preconscious post conscious you have decisions that you can make,
3: and it's interesting because consciously you so you may not you're not thinking it, but so th- that's what I always talk about is ninety percent of your brain is biochemical anyway, I mean how you're going to think right? right so a preconscious thought would be your biochemistry kicking up, yeah, stuff, conjuring up stuff, then it becomes a thought, but then then it almost has to be conscious then then you have to like,
8: oh oh, what. Right, I'm thinking this thought. Right, then you can do something. Then you can do something, but it's still very quick. So yeah. you can go from preconscious to conscious to reaction uh-huh. and yelling or being very upset in in within a second. Right. Or you could go right to the script that says you're a loser because right. you keep thinking that
3: right. thought. Yeah, and, and then, then that, you that get depressed. F- feeds back right. in and you get
8: depressed. Yeah, which
3: then drives the the right. chemistry need, and it's it's a cycle, isn't it's it? It's one big pattern. Yeah, that's why I guess working on it in whatever level, right. uh, like having a hobby. What you're, I guess, going to do is burn off the preconscious energy, or what is it?
8: Some of it. It's not really or burning it off. It. But it's, it's strengthening your kind of baseline of where you're calm and relaxed. You're in that connection. So we mm-hmm. talk about fight or flight a lot, yeah. but our other physiology side is connection. Right. And so we want that side to be active more, that rest, digest, connection side. We want that to be active more. And things like a good night's rest, a good diet, reducing your stress, physical exercise – Physical exercise actually does more for your brain than your body. I mean, yeah, that's what we was just the, talking about earlier. The it's... neurotoxins and not, not neurotoxins, but neurotransmitters that are positive. It gets you endorphins. It pumps you up. Pumps you up. It relaxes you. It helps you sleep better.
3: So really, the the exercise is it's just improving your chemistry.
8: Yeah. So you don't have to react. So on. you don't react as quickly. For. Inappropriate times.
3: What What do people do that are that are just more highly reactive? I mean, there's some people that are the minute you say something,
8: um, that that I mean, like we talked about earlier, that could be a genetic component to that yeah. too, right? That right. could be their temperament, right? Some kids and some adults, some people just are more quick to, go, to go there. They're more stressed. It could also be something has happened in their past, so they feel that worthless, that unworthy, that not good yeah. enough, kind of. Worldview, so that anytime anyone gives them any feedback or any, you know, they, they don't get cut off in traffic because someone makes a mistake. The guy cut them off in traffic because they're not good enough or they're not right. Yeah, valuable. they, kind of, they personalize yeah. it. They personalize or awfulize it. Awfulize it. Like this is the right. biggest. So thing if you're ever. personalizing a lot of things, you can react quicker. Sure. A lot of times.
3: You see that a lot with parents in parenting. Yeah. Their kids having problems and they make it about it's, themselves. It's, yeah. They're a bad I'm parent. A bad parent. Not interesting. Yeah. You have to deal with this every day, Lee. It's hard, <laughs> poor Lee Some days it's hard.
8: Some days it's fun.
3: Sometimes, some days it's probably it's super like any fulfilling, job, right? right? Yeah. So you're you're saying some other
8: tips um, would be physical exercise, but then yeah. sleep. Sleep is a good one. I, I think it's. I one love. Thing, sleep. I love sleep too. If sleep could be an official hobby, I think it would. Oh, I'd my, be on the Olympic team. My wife told me I could win the Olympics gold medal <laughs> in sleep she? one time when we were first married. But it's, uh... but it, it's kind of like I, we wouldn't skip a meal very often. Mm-mm. But the first thing we get rid of, it seems like, when we get stressed or busy, is sleep. Yeah. And you need it. It's it's a basic, like, breathing or eating. Right. You need sleep. And so I think you need to do this some This technology is killing us, though. Well, and one of the things that I tell people when I'm trying to get them to regulate their sleep, but just some quick – we could go into a lot of that, but – is to quit looking at clocks in the middle of the night. They'll They'll wake up to go to the bathroom or – Stir and like what time is it and it, they'll look at the clock and then their brain starts to race of oh I've only got two more hours I've got to get back to sleep quickly That's true. and the, you know, then we're back to this cycle we've been talking about because sleep is a natural response you can't force it right, but they're right. trying to force it so if they just turn their clock around or put their phone on the other side of the room so they can't see what time it is when they wake up their brain doesn't kick into this pattern yeah and
3: then see
8: some will get up turn lights on or just, yeah. and the minute you're doing
3: that you're in a whole different
8: Well, and I, it's amazing people things they watch before they go to bed. Mm-hmm. I mean, screen time before bed is not a good thing. Yeah, Especially if you're watching suspense shows or horror shows or listening to really loud music or a lot of people, you know, drink coffee or oh, Diet yeah. Coke until 10 o'clock at night. In fact, we had an expert on that was telling us no caffeine after 3. That's what I tell my clients. Yeah. 2 to 3 is when you cut out the caffeine. Because
3: it stays in your system, right? whether it impacts you or not. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I'm so used to
8: it. My kids will, like,
3: walk in the house with some caffeinated beverage at 10 and i'm like what are you doing yeah. like what are you thinking yeah. they're like that's it dad i'm not thinking i'm just trying to be a <laughs> I'm just kid. trying to be a kid <laughs> well stop it what is the hobby um i know hobbies but like if golfing for me doesn't alleviate stress and i but maybe it's not i'm not good enough at it yeah. um but hobbies to me i love just the fact that it's it gives you something that you can get good at and And feel good about yourself.
8: As long as it's not, I mean, if you're taking golf to the level where you're too serious about it, it can be very stressful. But if you're just going out there and enjoy it and not stress over, you know, I'm out here in the sun, it's beautiful. The golf course is gorgeous. It's nice weather. I'm with my friends, and you know, I hit a bad shot. It's not the end of the world. Right. Which is hard when you golf sometimes. I've I've done that, and it becomes more (laughs) stressful than relaxing. It totally does. But you need to focus on the relaxing parts of it.
3: What, and I guess what's cool is as a couple, we could help each other with this. If the real issue is the reaction, right. then what are some tools or tips we could use to to catch the pattern of the fight or flight earlier as a couple? So just because if I, I assume if we could agree together how we would handle our fight or flight
8: moment right. and have it kind of worked out a little bit or orchestrated, that seems it's, to help. It's hard to come to an agreement. I mean it's – it's a great idea. That's the Hypothetically, idea. Hypothetically, yeah. Hypothetically, but it's hard to do that because you're it's pre conscious. Right, exactly. So what what we kind of work on is having people um kind of cut each other some slack. Right. Right? So if you can get to a place where you're not going to that, that worthless place or that unworthy place or that not good enough place, and you're you're just assuming you get to a place where you can assume your spouse is doing the best they can and they're yeah. not out to get you. Yeah. Now, if abusive situations are completely different. Right. If course, you're being abused, you gotta go it's, get. It's safe. all different. Get help. Yeah. yeah, this is about just dysfunctional relationships. Yeah. Which are yeah. Um, so they need to go to a place where they can kind of cut each other some slack and realize that okay, maybe that wasn't intended to put me in that worthless spot, or, Right. it wasn't because I'm, I have a personality flaw or something right. like that. That's the best thing. And then the other thing is they can have conversations at some point in time about. What types of things produce anxiety in them? So it's not really about how do I say it because you, yeah. you're not going to change your way right. you speak. Right. But if you can get to that place where you can say, okay, when you, you know, hey, honey, we need to talk, that sends everyone's heart racing when you're, when you're dating and right. you're breaking. Right. Hey, can I talk to you? I'm like, oh crap, what did, what I, do? did I do? What did I do? She hates me. <laughs> And, yeah. and even, you know, after years of marriage, my wife says, hey, can I talk to you? Sometimes it's like, "Ooh, what do, do we do? have to? <laughs> yeah. And I've learned over the years that she just wants to talk. Right. But it can be that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so maybe make it. I mean, and part of that could be
3: just let's say it another way. Like, I mean, but together, I, I always right. call that like a like a um, a cue. Like yeah. if she if she wants to talk, just say, you got five minutes and yeah. even tell me you got five minutes to talk about what
8: happened at your mom's right. house. Because if you, I can know what's happening, right. that's not half as scary as, as like, as, yeah. can we talk? Can we talk? And the other thing is is it's taking personal responsibility. So when my wife says, hey, can we talk? And my heart rate goes up and my physiology starts to kick in that survival right. mode. That's my responsibility to say, okay, this isn't the end of my marriage. This is not right. anything big deal. I need to calm down and find out what she wants to talk about. Totally. Rather than, you know, so it's it's about taking personal responsibility for yeah. your reactions as well.
3: It also seems like the more you do that – you're training your brain that maybe you don't need to overreact to this moment right. because it's like if every time – it's Pavlovian, I guess. Every time if you said, can we talk, I ended up getting an ice cream cone. Yeah, that would be a good thing, right? Then I'd be like, sweet. Let's yeah. talk all you want. Say that anytime you want. But so if we can just start proving to our brain that it's not – this isn't – talking isn't really a life or death thing. Right. But most of the time it ends up being – and it's being run by fight or flight. Right. So it seems like life or death. Right.
8: It's scary. Humans are weird. Yeah, we are. Why is that, Lee? I mean you think have we no have figured this out by now. It's amazing how much we don't know about our <laughs> totally. bodies. Well,
3: and it's also amazing. You just watch one episode of Cops. I have you never should. watched Cops. Have you? so. Oh, you've got to watch oh, okay. it, Lee. You'll, you'll never be the same. Uh, that's where we found Ben, by the way. And um, But it's just these fighter – you can just see the fight or flight kick in. Yeah. And you can see him running and you're like, don't run. Yeah. There's cops everywhere. Yeah. You're not gonna get you're away. Not get away. Yeah. But the fight or flight is about survival, and your big point here is your every everything runs through that fight or flight part of your brain, and the connection part. So yeah. Those two parts, and the, that, the connection yeah. part. So, and and if you're not connecting, that could I guess reinvigorate your fears, your fight yeah, or flight, because and,
8: you've. They're mutually exclusive, basically. There are yeah. times when they're both on, but basically when your fight-or-flight is on, you can't connect to people. It's true. And so we've got to improve that balance. So we're in that connection side more than the fight-or-flight side. Oh, man.
3: Good stuff. Wow. Lee Johnson. So, Lee, where can they find out more about what you're doing or what you're doing in the the School of Family Life?
8: I think there's some information on the, the Family Life website. They can also email me if they want. Yeah. And my email's on the BYU website as well.
3: Sweet. Lee Johnson's his name. He is... The real deal. How many years have you been doing the counseling?
8: I started seeing clients in 1993, so it's wow. at 22 years almost. Yeah, yeah. And
3: you're still alive.
8: Still alive. <laughs> and married. Well done, Lee Johnson. Again, you can go to
3: BYU. If you just go to byu.edu, Dot. you can just Google the Family Life uh, Department, Department of Family Life here at BYU. Look for Dr. Lee Johnson. We'll take a break. Come back, do a little Coach's Corner. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we've been talking about uh, how to improve your marriage by working on your fight-or-flight instinct. Remember uh, that fight-or-flight instinct comes from your amygdala. It's it's your early warning detector. You want to make sure you're safe so you'd think you wouldn't want to mess with that. Except you don't need to be afraid of your wife, right? (laughs) Ben's like, I'm afraid of all girls. You're not even afraid of your wife, are you, Ben? But you're still afraid. Always. Why is that? That's crazy. Well, here's why. You may have heard about uh, in Brockville City, Ontario, Canada, police received a complaint just after 7.15 p.m. on Friday that a female was yelling for help behind a restaurant in the north end of, of town. Wow. Ooh. So I guess she must have seen a missile coming. Is that what that was, Ben? Did you read the story, Ben? Because you're way off. Actually, it, it wasn't a female yelling for help. It was a parrot that was located in a shed at the rear of the building, and the parrot was mimicking different human expressions. So where did the missile come from?
5: No comment.
3: I mean, that was... You gotta read. You gotta read the script. Like, do we don't need to blow the parrot up?
5: Well, that's just usually what I scream about. So is it? Yeah,
3: that was overkill, <laughs> according to Terry. Yeah, you overkilled the parrot. So do you not have a parrot sound? Just a simple Pollywanna cracker? You don't have like a? You don't do you? You have an explosion of a missile coming in and a lady. <laughs> Yeah. That's a dog. That's a... That's a parent... A parrot mimicking a dog.
5: So which one would you rather? The scream and explosion or that?
3: Let's just try this dog being exploded. Let's see what happens there. (laughs) Oh, I heard the... Yep. Well, that seemed better. Holy cow. We're working on our, uh, our audio <laughs> effects here. Uh, you know, just sound. It's just sound. But the story, you know, you're going to naturally be afraid, apparently, <laughs> of a person yelling for help. And it's going to turn on your fight or flight, as we learned. And in our relationships, once the fight or flight kicks in, it's over. You're, you're going to then be prepped. Your body, the adrenaline will be pumped through your system. Your vessels will uh, dilate. A lot of the blood will leave your head to go to your extremities. Of all the time you need blood in your head, it's when, you know, your wife says, can we talk? And it is as, as if you are sitting there with a, you know, a gator, an alligator ready to kill you. But it's not a gator. It's just your spouse that wants to talk. So if we can't turn that off, we're setting ourselves up. We're setting ourselves up to just basically always need to fight or flight with each other. And so like uh, our guest, Lee Johnson, as he was talking, we we do a lot of that naturally. And we do it pre-consciously, meaning we, we are going to have these reactions before we ever have a thought about it. So one of the things I coach my clients on is at some point – Okay, once that happens and we're now having the reactions, then we, we might want to figure out what we want to do as a couple to step in and how we want to handle this. Sometimes I just teach my, my clients to just notice what's happening. I call it vital signs. Notice that our signs are going up, negative emotions up, misunderstandings up, trust is mistrust is up. And when those signs are up, I usually just ask them to time it out. If I could just get them to do a behavior right there where they just recognize it's happening and time it out. And then I just ask them to stay together in the same space, in the timeout. Nobody needs to be blown up, right? Nobody needs that. It's nobody, you know, we just need to figure out what's happening. I I just want couples as soon as they can to recognize the pattern. And then once we time it out, then we can start, you know, maybe take a little time, let some of the chemistry pass, and then maybe turn and start talking to each other. It's, it's not easy, but, it, and, but the benefit is you know the pattern. And what I found with my clients, as soon as I can get my clients noticing their pattern and then making up rules, for example, rules for when they tend to go off the most on each other. I, I have two times that are harder at my house. One's called killing time, which is usually around 6 o'clock because <clears throat> that's usually when everyone's home and frustrated and hungry and I also – late at night. So we make just basic rules that, OK, go to bed. Let's just all go to bed. We'll talk about this in the morning. Anyway, notice the pattern. Start noticing the pattern and get help. If you really end up noticing that you you do this a lot, you blow up a lot, get some help. Work out your hobbies, your habits, get some exercise, see if you can't change some of your chemistry. Or, worst case scenario, you can just blow it up. Nope, there we go. Yeah, like that. Just do it like that. We'll take a break, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Back for our final hour, we'll be talking about optimism. How do you find it? Where do you get it? Up next hour, right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Got a great show for you today. We will be speaking with Kim Giles, one of our coaches here on the Matt Townsend Show. She's going to be teaching us about the secret of uh, being optimistic. The secret to optimism and how to get it. Um, Ben keeps thinking it's in his lucky charms, but that's not where it's located, Ben. What? Never mind. Just good to have you here. Hey, uh, on the show today, we've got to talk about some of these people. How are you optimistic when, for example, you uh, go out in your front yard, you hear an airplane, you think it's an airplane. I thought it was a jet airplane. This person says flying too low, looking up, she saw a large white ball, perhaps one and a half to two times the diameter of a basketball. Coming down from the sky, a split second after it passed from sight, there was a loud boom. What was that? That was the lady, totally terrified. And she said it sounded like a bomb. Oh, good. Yeah. Ben's that been wa- is
0: a large
2: bomb.
3: <laughs> Ben's been waiting to use the bomb since last hour when he used it like 20 times. Ben likes the bomb. That crash, by the way, uh, occurred about 11.15 a.m. It was basically ice flying, big chunks of ice flying from the sky. Ice chunks. Mm. Don't you hate that?
0: Yeah, I hate that when that happens.
3: On the floor of the rear, uh, at the rear of the garage were many pieces broken of melting ice, baseball size and smaller. She could look up and see the sky. The ice also struck the rear bumper of a family's Honda Accord, shattering part of it. Sky, the FAA is like, we don't know. We're not sure. But the inspectors are on it. So just relax if you're in California. The inspectors are on things falling from the sky. Oh, man, that is crazy. To Talk about uh, uh, things falling from the sky. Um, airplanes. Did you hear about the airplane that f- they the the airline that flew the wrong airplane to Hawaii? No. Yeah, true story. Out of nowhere, American Airlines sends one of their planes just on to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal. Sure. Like you'd think all planes could fly to Hawaii. Sure. Well, not this airplane. <laughs> they flew an airplane to Hawaii that de- that wasn't rated to fly over water.
7: Oh. Oh come on!
3: <laughs> Loaded up with you know just a bunch of people. What's the big deal? On August thirty first, sadly, I mean American Airlines they, they they admitted it. They called the FAA right after it happened, but they sent uh, a twin engine operating uh, or a plane that hadn't been, I guess, what's called certified ETOPS extended range twin engine. Operational performance standards. Mm. So it's got to be able to make the long flight. Halfway so, across the water, uh-huh. they're like, that's the wrong plane.
0: I don't think we have enough gas. I think
3: we're going to run out of gas. <laughs> they sent it all the way on. It made it. Then they had to get the plane back without any passengers mm-hmm. on it. So no one no one died. It was all good. It
0: landed. Not landed a big deal. It landed safely on ground, Yeah, on land.
3: But like, how'd you like to be the guy that's like, oh, you took that plane? What were you thinking? <laughs> so One of the pilots is like, these pedals seem smaller. This rudder seems weird. It seems so small. <laughs> yeah, guys. It's the wrong oh, plane. Like nobody mistake. notices the wrong plane. Yeah. Hello. Doesn't And it has the tail number. It has.
0: That's scary.
3: Nobody noticed. Whatever. I don't want to get down on them.
0: Yeah. You won't be flying with them soon. <laughs> That's right.
3: But what's good about it is there wasn't an accident that. You know, we needed to use the explosion sound on "Thank heavens, because
0: he was about ready to push that button. (laughs) And then I gave him dirty
3: stink eye. Like you push that again, I'm so gonna get you. Today, by the way, National Cream-Filled Donut Day.
0: Oh, ooh,
3: Mm. yum! You gotta love that National Cream-Filled Donut Day.
0: That's why you said eclair. That's what you're talking about. Eclair, right? Yeah. Anything cream-filled is delicious. That really is a disgusting sound, can I just say? That is just Ben is so having a Go-Gurt
3: bad. right there. <laughs> that's If anybody oh. was wondering what our board op sounds like eating a Go-Gurt, mm-hmm. that's what it sounds like. Wow. Well. Ben, can you not get a sound, a better sound of somebody eating a donut? <laughs> that that's, is, that's what I sound like. Have when you I ever had
0: the Krispy Kreme with raspberry in the middle? No. Oh, that's good.
3: That sounds that's heavenly. That's super good. Yep, yeah. I'm gonna have I to. I
0: think go. It, that's even better than the cream. Actually,
3: today is by also eat a hoagie day.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But it's do not go. He's gonna go get all. That's like a bulldog eating a hoagie. Jimmy <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> Let's go to Kathy Akin and see if she can help us with the headlines. Kathy?
0: Good morning, everyone. One person was killed and 400 homes destroyed due to a fast-moving wildfire in Northern California yesterday. Officials say two apartment complexes and 10 businesses were also burned to the ground. The Valley Fire also sent four firefighters to the hospital with second-degree burns, and they remain hospitalized in stable condition. Governor Jerry Brown yesterday declared a state of emergency. 31-year-old Kentucky trooper Joseph Cameron Ponder was shot and killed last night during a traffic stop. Reports first indicated the suspect, 25-year-old Joseph Johnson Shanks, was captured. But Fox News is reporting the suspect was shot and killed by police after he refused to drop his weapon and surrender to police. Kim Davis, the Kentucky County clerk who was jailed for not issuing same-sex marriage licenses, returned to work this morning and said she would not stop her deputies from issuing the licenses.
6: I want the whole world to know, be no mistake about it, that if my deputy clerks who do not have my authorization or the authority, they don't have my authority to issue any license whatsoever. I love my deputy clerks, and I hate that they have been caught in the middle. If any of them feels that they must issue an unauthorized license to avoid being thrown in jail, I understand their tough choice, and I will take no action against them. However, any unauthorized license that they issue will not have my name, my title, or my authority on it.
0: Davis said she could not add her name to the licenses because she believes it conflicts with God's definition of marriage. According to a new Washington Post-ABC News poll, Hillary Clinton has a 42% lead in the de- for Democratic support. Bernie Sanders comes in at 24%. Vice President Joe Biden, who is yet to announce whether or not he's running, comes in with 21%. Sanders said Americans are tired of D.C. politics.
7: The American people, in my strong view, are sick and tired of establishment politics, of establishment economics. And they want a candidate who is prepared to stand up to the big money interest.
0: Despite her lead, Clinton has dropped 21 points among Democrats since July. On the GOP side, jo- Donald Trump continues to lead with 33 percent of the Republican vote. Ben Carson is second with 20 percent. That's 14 points higher than just two months ago. Carson talked about his poll numbers. I'm gratified to see that so many people are actually starting to listen to what I'm saying. The next Republican debate is Wednesday night. According to the same poll, 7 in 10 Americans say politicians cannot be trusted, and 6 in 10 say the political system is dysfunctional. 6 in 10 Republicans say they want the next president to be outside the political establishment, while just one quarter of Democrats say the same. Arizona police arrested three teen- teenagers Saturday night who they say were firing at vehicles with a gun slingshot. Police uh, say the incident was not linked, however, to the recent number of unsolved freeway shootings. And Matt, while we're celebrating BYU's second straight win, here's mm-hmm. a football story that we'll also have you talking. Yeah. Villanova Jr. Jake Pruce is set to miss the first three games of the season for the Wildcats. Pruce is a six foot six, 300-pound starting offensive lineman for the team. Wow. Well, he donated bone marrow last week to a 65-year-old suffering from a blood disorder. Holy cow. Pruce, who's a biochemistry major and wants to be a doctor signed up for the bone marrow registry his freshman year. That's something that um, head coach Andy Tally uh, t- encourages every player to do. But uh, the, the procedure, it takes eight hours. Yeah. So it takes oh, a while. It's a big deal. And then you have to get injections leading up to that donation. And he said his teammates back the decision, even though that leaves the team a bit shorthanded. That's a big 300 pound starting Holy offensive cow. lineman missing three games for donating.
3: What a Bob guy. Merrill. Isn't that awesome? And does it does he know this woman?
0: He does not know. No, he does not know the person. And apparently huh. he will not get to know. Well, you know, I think he knows it's a 65-year-old, but he doesn't right. know the name or I don't think you can get the name until after a year after the donation. That's super and then it's cool. up to the the recipient yeah. to see if they want to be known. How selfless. Isn't that great? That's amazing. Yeah. And yeah. It's
3: amazing that the coach I mean, I wonder if he's going to keep doing that. Like, wow! They yeah, every year seriously. he has
0: every freshman come in. Uh, he, he recommends anyway that they put their name on the registry. How cool! Yeah, isn't that great? What's
3: what university?
0: Uh, Villanova. Villanova.
3: Yep. Holy good cow! Good job. Three hundred pounder too. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Wow, cool. Well good done. That's huh? That's very good. Yep. Great stuff. Um, Man, when you think about it, even that story, it's, it's, is it easy for you to be an optimist, to see the glass as half full, or do you automatically become a cynic? Well, today we're going to be speaking in just a few minutes with Kim Giles, one of our wonderful coaches from Clarity Point Life Coaching. Um, she's going to be walking us through the secret to optimism and how to get it. And it's one thing to have everyone telling you, you need to be more optimistic. It's another thing, figuring out how to do it. Stick with us, folks. We're going to get some answers on that. So hopefully you can have a more optimistic life. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back after the break. The Utah Shakespeare Festival is featuring Dracula, in addition to seminars, tours, and more,
4: as part of your festival experience. Performances run September 23rd through October 31st, More information at bard.org.
3: Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. So think about it, folks. Do uh, Do you tend to see your life and what happens to you in your life through an optimistic view an optimistic lens would some say that you're a cynic joining us today is Kim Giles Kim Giles is uh, the a very popular coach um, she's the owner of Clarity Point Life Coaching and is also um, one of the top 20 advice gurus in the country uh, nominated by, basically by Good Morning America she happens to be one of the top 10 advice gurus in the galaxy nominated by The Matt Townsend Show Galaxy, yeah, galactic. I haven't top added that 10. one to my resume. Yet, I, but you know thanks. what? I think it would fit nicely right under the Good Morning America thing.
4: Okay, and Have my assistant worked on
3: that. <laughs> you can find out more um, from Kim at her website, Clarity Point Coaching. Are you an optimistic person?
4: I think I am. I'm
3: off the chart optimistic. Yeah. Even when the data is not there, I make it up to seem like yeah, it's I more see optimistic. That in you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see that? Yeah, kind of borderline
4: delusional. No, no, it it doesn't even border It's like deeply
3: entrenched in delusion. Yeah. But it's a better way to live.
4: It kind of is. And, you know, anything we experience can be interpreted a lot of different ways. It's all perception anyway. And so if you're going to perceive some observation about an event, you might as well look at it in a positive way. That's
3: right, exactly. Seriously. like Because it's not – none of us have all the data anyway. So we're making it up anyway.
4: We are. We're we're perceiving it through all right. these filters of what we believe it is. It well, it really kind of is delusion to all of yeah, us. No, it is. And
3: and so I, I believe if you're going to be delusional anyway, you may as well be positively deluding yourself. Yeah. Because you could be negatively deluding yourself, and which it would just, do you no good yeah, whatsoever. Th- because whatever it, you interpret is going to create what you feel. So I don't want to feel negative my whole life.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so people are probably wondering how Matt do you positively delude yourself?
3: Yeah. No, you don't want how to know. How does
4: this work?
3: But because it's a, so in the writing in the literature, this is called attribution, attribution style, or attribution
4: or explanatory style. Uh-huh. Exactly. I, yeah,
3: and so it's but everything that happens, there's certain data points, right? And none of us have all the data, so we have to kind of explain
4: what it tribute. was, why it happened. Why, yeah. And and so we're all doing that at some level with every single thing that happens either consciously or subconsciously. Mm-hmm. We're explaining it. We, we're creating a story around it basically. Right. That's
3: right. And what's the problem with that?
4: Well, most of our stories aren't accurate right. because we don't have all the data. So it, it's... A-
3: and it can self-fulfill too. So if you always think everybody is out to get you, Then you're only you might only look for data that shows people are out to get you. You might bend certain data to show they're out to get you and it will feel like they're out to get you.
4: And you may attract more people that are out to get you because the universe sort of responds Ah, that way. So
3: what do we do with all this?
4: Okay, so attributional style. This is a psychology. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So. There are three factors that you kind of want to look at as far as how you interpret events and why they happened. Right. So the first one is internal or external. And what this means is that you either see an event that it was caused by you, that this is about your inadequacies or your fault, or you tend to always see things in a more external way that yep. they're caused by somebody else. And there's positive and negatives on both sides sure. of that.
2: Sure.
4: So – If you always think it's you, that could be a positive thing in that you take responsibility for your role in creating things. And you also see yourself as having the power to change it if you caused it. Right. So at some level that can be positive. But if you always see it as caused by your inadequacy. And once again, it's because I'm stupid. I'm a loser.
3: It always happens. Right.
4: Yeah. if, If you're. Seeing it in that way, that is definitely a bad thing, and a lot of us do that. Oh yeah, I think because we have so much fear around not being good enough, and that fear is really forefront in a, in us all the time. Sure. We have a tendency to blame anything that happens on our inadequacy. Yeah, I think and we lean that way.
3: Humans tend to lean more self centric anyway, right? So we Everything's we take, about us. Yeah, we think we think it was good because of us. And if it's bad, we might be more prone to think it was because of us, just because yeah. we're self-centric.
4: Now, on Especially occasion, fifth graders. people will blame everything on the world. External, this, right. And, and it's kind of a victim yeah. place yeah. that I have no power, that the world's just doing all this to me. And and, and that could be a negative thing, oh, yeah. too, to see it that way. Well,
3: maybe, too, that's if, – because if you keep giving the power to the world – then you don't own any of it. You're not responsible for it.
4: And you it's have not no your power fault. to fix it. That's
3: right. You're stuck. You're
4: just a victim. So <sighs> I I'm I was thinking of, of a way to explain all this to listeners so it, w- it wouldn't be yeah. as confusing and and one of the many free resources on claritypointcoaching.com we, we did an attributional style worksheet. Cool. Yeah. And anyone can go get that for free. But it will literally let you take a situation. Like let's say your boss hates you at work and he's all over your case today. Right. Take that situation. Go to the worksheet and it's going to first ask you, are you interpreting this as internal or external? Is this about you? Right. Or is this about him and That's he's great. got a problem? And yeah. What's, what's his deal? So kind of evaluate that one and recognize your positive options. Your positive options are to see, say, yeah, maybe I'm partly responsible for this, but I can do something to fix it sure. and, and be empowered by that. Right. Or recognize that this guy might have issues that this have nothing to do jerk. with you. Right, right. <laughs> so that's the first one, So internal if you can just identify
3: in, internal – and it, and this – your questionnaire will just kind of cue you through with questions. Those those ideas is it internal external
4: and is it internal positive or negative or external positive or negative so you kind of mark good okay then go to the next one and the next one is is this stable or unstable and what what we mean is is the situation changeable or is it always going to be this way so am I am I seeing this as unchangeable and permanent yeah permanent state of things
3: it always yeah.
4: yeah, so I was thinking, like, if you lose a big game, a yeah. big event, do you feel like you're a loser and you're always gonna lose, right. and you're just branded a loser forever? Versus, or is this just a one time thing?
3: Just it was a game, it was a game. Yeah, yeah.
4: A lot of us subconsciously just see it as permanent. We we kind of err yeah. on that side. Well, it's
3: interesting. This is this is what you see after football games. You see. Coaches deciding how they're going to attribute and make sense of what just happened. Was it our fault or was it them? Did they just – did the other team just play an incredible game? We did everything we could or really do we have stuff we've got to go work on? And is this an event, one game, or is this our year? Here we go. You hear it all the time. So it's the same thing. After a fight with your spouse, is it always this way? Is it permanent? Is this a stable or is this an unstable event?
4: Right. The one I've been laughing at, my daughter watches The Bachelorette. Yeah. And every time one of these girls that's like 20 gets rejected <laughs> by this guy, she's in the limo bawling. I'm never going to find there somebody I love. It's Nobody stable. will ever love me. You Many, are such a loser. You're 20.
3: Yeah. You're 20. You're <laughs> this gorgeous. You're
4: fine. You're fine. You're leaving
3: Fiji. You'll be yeah. fine.
4: Um. And another positive on the... The stable or unstable is I see it is about your self-esteem because most people see their value as a person, as an unstable thing that changes. Yeah. So when you perform bad, your value just went down and you are now less of a,
3: you're less less worthy of a person. Right.
4: And if you do really well, then all of a sudden you're better than other people. Right. And so it can be a really positive thing to see stable mm-hmm. if you're if we're talking about your value as a person. Yeah,
3: that's a great point. You don't want to, yeah you don't want your value to be up and down. Um, let's take a break, come back and, and talk about that more. third point, right? So internal versus external, stable versus unstable. Do you want to just segue? What's the next one?
4: The next one is global versus local.
3: Oh, this is huge. Global versus local. We'll come back. We're talking about. Your style for attributing and explaining life. How do you go about doing it? Positive, negative, internal, external, stable, unstable? More with the, uh, the great coach Kim Giles from Clarity Point Coaching. Stick with us, folks. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show in studio with us, Kimberly Giles from claritypointcoaching.com. Go check out uh, her website there. And also, when you get there, go look up the attributional or explanatory style chart. It's a tool she uses on the website to help you walk through how you interpret events in your life.
4: Go to the worksheets on the the resources page. The worksheets and downloads, and you can find this. It's
3: just a free. free tool. It's, it's a map, but it, you. So when something happens to you, you then have to. You naturally take what happens and make an interpretation. And you've already taught us. We we kind of go internal external. Like, what's the cause of it? Is it me or outside of me? Stable versus unstable. Is this something that's kind of permanent? Or transitory, something that's going to change, changeable, fixable. And then the last one was global versus local. Is that right? Yeah. What do you mean by that one?
4: Okay. So is this going to affect everything? Is this going to affect my whole life or is this really localized to yeah. just this situation?
3: Like You can see that in the dating. Sometimes they'll say – they make it global like I, forever now my dating will be bad like we were talking about. Or is this just this just this person?
4: Yeah, or does your does your boss hate you? Does that mean nobody likes you? Right, that's true. Yeah, make it fit Everything. your whole world yeah. instead of just the it's one just situation. It's just my boss.
3: Yeah. That's it So,
4: the this is the thing. I don't thing. know why you
3: keep bringing up my boss, but now I'm starting to wonder.
4: <laughs> yeah, you better check in with him I'll check later. in with Don later. Um the thing that I've noticed, Matt, is that we've picked up subconsciously an attributional style, usually from our parents, kind of the way right. our family tended to interpret events, is the way we've learned to do it. And we don't consciously realize that this is what we're doing. Right. So the beauty of this chart is I want you to be able to step back and consciously look at a tendency to do this. And it, it gives you five different scenarios that you could run through. And just imagine one of them is your boss hates you. Um, You just lost some money. Your spouse cheated on you. Mm. And put yourself in that place and, and kind of step through how you would immediately see it
3: That's, and what that yeah. would
4: mean to you. And you'll kind of be able to pick up your subconscious style.
3: And then we can change this style, I guess, by consciously
4: Choosing, looking at it. Right. Yeah. The first step is to be aware that, oh, I always tend to make this all about me. I always tend yeah. to think it's about me. So now that I recognize that, in every situation, sure. I'm going to – consciously have the option of choosing something else and you mentioned at the break something really important that we're usually missing data
3: oh yeah because your data is going to be based on how you your data you're going to find the data to support whatever style you like
2: right so if my style is that it's
3: about me then that's the data that's called selection or perception error i'm going to select the data based on whatever interpretation i need but there's always more data That's what I found is – which is why a conversation with somebody like your boss is really valuable. Like, So let's say he didn't fire you but he just gave you a bad report, a bad evaluation. So you can go back in and instead of just negatively interpreting it all, you might want to go back in and present the data and say, man, I thought I was doing a lot better than this. What did you mean by this? And it might be, no, you're doing Fantastic.
4: Don't you find usually you will be surprised because most of the data you think you have are assumptions. Exactly. That you think you know, but most of the time we don't. And and then you find out,
3: no, I think you're great. I just think if you could fix these two things that I mentioned, you'd be the next vice president of our company. Yes. Well, that's different. (laughs) Oh, okay, That's good. But we don't have the data. And so that's why I think we need – To talk, so you can take every one of these problems with every one of these people and go in and gather more information.
4: Absolutely, help me understand that more. Ask more questions, and make sure when you go ask more questions that you're coming from a a real place of of trust that everything's going to be fine, and you're not emotional, you're not in a victim place, (laughs) you're not drugged up, no, and you're just hey, I I want to research this, I want to understand it more, give me some more feedback,
3: yeah. Now what and what's interesting is if they give you 10 more data points that all lead up to the fact that they don't like you then wh- what are you
4: going to do with that
3: Then <laughs> what's important about it is that's good to know cuz that's that's not one that's not one data point with a really you know uh scared interpretation that's 10 data points that can give you a more clear direction you I know need what a new would boss. help
4: everybody? Everybody freaks out. Okay, I'm going to go in and get more negative feedback. Yeah. He's going to tell me more things that I'm doing wrong, and they almost right. can't handle it. That's right. So go back to what we mentioned earlier about your value. M- make the decision to consciously see your value as stable. Right. Unchangeable. So you are a student here in the classroom of life, the universe classroom, growing and learning. And you can get feedback from people and see places where you can improve, right. but not let it diminish your value as a human being. You still have the same value as everybody so else. That'd probably help in this situation. So then yeah. we can take those things and learn from them and not have them crush us.
3: And what, what else is interesting is remember that every data point, you're still going to attribute what it means. So if it, whenever I have somebody that constantly is always only seeing negative data... They feel like it's totally it's, – it's accurate, but it also might be you have one style of attributing everything. So there's something that happens called negative interpretation or a negative emo- emotional – I can't remember uh, – skew in a relationship. If you've been hurt long enough, you will skew. All the interpretations negative to protect yourself.
2: Oh yeah. So if
3: every if so I always have people say, can you think of one example in your marriage where your husband did lovingly attend to your needs? And if someone's like, No, can't think of one. If they really can't think of one, you either married the biggest jerk in the world or
4: your negative bias is you're so not exactly. driving. That's it. Yeah.
3: And so I like I like that puts it back into you. Make sure you have the data. And if the data is showing that they don't like you, then
4: don't. Well, then we can deal with then that we, problem. Now but we you know. really have to look at yourself that's first right. and make sure your negativity right. bias isn't driving.
3: That's it. Oh, that's yeah, good, Kim. Good stuff. So, this is, um, there's no end to when we can do this, but this isn't just being positive either. You're not just saying go be positive and go make up positive stuff. You're saying you are interpreting no matter what you do.
4: Yeah, and and because you're interpreting either way, let's use your power to try to be accurate. Yeah, as accurate as we can be, because we won't ever have all the data. No. And and then once we're accurate as we can be, if there's a more positive way to look at something that would make you feel better, which would also mean you're going to behave better. Right. Because the bottom line is, when you feel terrible about yourself and your life. Your behavior goes down. Yeah. <laughs> you behave much worse. You're less capable of showing up in a, lo- in a loving way to the people in your world. So I always want to choose optimism so I'm nicer. Sure. well,
3: That's and a good it's, reason. Well, And you actually, if you're choosing optimism, you're feeling more positive. So I would just choose it because I'm a selfish pig. And I want to feel, feel better. better. <laughs> don't you think? <laughs> Absolutely. Because you don't Why feel good. Why wallow in misery right. if it's an
4: option not well, to? Well,
3: but some love it.
4: Well, most of them are attributing things to outside their control, and they're in that victim mentality yeah. that they can't help feeling this way. Right. And I want everybody to be really careful if you ever find yourself saying, I can't help mm-hmm. it. I just feel so. That's a cop out. Yeah. It, what it means is you're letting your subconscious programming drive to negative, and you're taking no power over your life and your mind. Oh. And you do have the power,
3: which is why to you choose. feel powerless because. Your, I guess, part of your psyche likes this story, but the other part thinks you're full of it. So you feel weird because subconsciously you know you have more power over this somewhere deep somewhere. inside of you. Somewhere
4: the truth is in there. You've got to
3: believe, and <laughs> that's why you're. That's why you see a lot of people get mad at themselves, but projected on their spouse. Like you make me so mad, and you're like, really? And you can call them on that, but they'll fight you on it. Still. Yeah, they, but you, deep, well, deep you, they down, don't see it. They know that they're they're out of control. <laughs>
4: okay, Matt. So yeah. let me ask you this: If somebody's in that place, what advice can we give them?
3: Um, I, I call it just get real. Like evaluate. There's a moment where no matter how difficult your marriage is, when you finally realize it's yours, and you talk about this all the time, it's your problem. It's yours.
4: It is. It's your classroom. That's you right. are in this so you yeah. can grow. This problem is here for your growth.
3: You know, sometimes I'll even just push on it and say, well, you know what? If I'm going to take everything you're saying as, at face value, then it's, it looks like you're done. you got to be done with this guy. He's just too much for you. And you know what?
4: Oh, I bet they back up.
3: Almost invariably they'll pull off and say, no, 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 no. I mean, he's not that bad. And then they'll all of a sudden be able to find a positive thing to say about him. So sometimes if you go with them, I found – but that's trickery. But the reality is they like you to fight against it so that they can pull for it. So when you finally go with them, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you need to probably leave the guy.
4: So so could we say for people out there that are listening to this and think possibly I'm deluding myself in a negative way. I may be explaining events and seeing things more negative than I have to but I didn't realize it and I'm kind of in denial. Now I,
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
4: About it, the first step is to get real. Yeah, right.
3: Figure out what's real here. What's real? That's so, why data is helpful.
4: Data is helpful. Get feedback. Be open to it. Um, you and I both always recommend to people to get some it's outside somehow, help because really, a coach. The beauty of co- a coach is they can see things outside. Yeah, of they're of not you caught up in your seen. stuff. Right, right.
3: And go and also you can go to Clarity Point Coaching and just get the tools. Like get some. Help get something. You've, you've got so much free stuff on your site per pound.
4: Well, uh, one of the greatest things on there is the fear assessment, yeah. which is a great tool and to help you everything. see yeah. what you're not seeing. And, and that's free too. So.
3: so that's at claritypointcoaching.com, right? Right. And you can get her book. You can get everything. All things Kim Giles. Kim, you're the best. You did it again. And I'm going to say that. You're the best. I'm going to say it externally, internally. Stability-wise and globally, you are the best.
4: Wow, that covered about all of that. Thank you, Matt.
3: Kim, keep up the great work. We're going to take a break. Come back, visit our good buddies down there. BYU Sports Nation, sit with us, friends. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Back after the break. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to head down live to two of our recovering BYU studs. Spencer Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan, our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Hello, gentlemen. That's a
9: great intro right there. Don't you like the that? music, did epic I, weekend.
3: Did I sound like uh, BYU? No, what do they call that? Uh, NFL Films?
9: Yeah, right that's there. pretty good. It's pretty cool. How do you explain the inexplainable, Matt?
3: You don't. You just sit back and smile. And that's what we have done all <laughs> weekend long. Isn't that a crazy? Uh, I I was hyperventilating. I lost my voice. It was it was a, it was an incredible it was an incredible game.
9: He did it
3: again. I know. Unbelievable. And th- but then everyone's like, "Okay, UCLA." But you know what? Nineteenth ranked boys. Hello. Enjoy the
1: moment. Yeah. Wait.
3: This We're not is not worried so great. about UCLA
1: right now. No, no, Just suck no. in the moment because who this knows how who knows how long the moment lasts.
9: That's for football coaches and players and staff they can think about UCLA now. Right. We want to revel in the moment. We'll push it forward R- plenty.
3: Was it a Hail Mary yeah. pass? Sort of, yeah.
9: He yeah, he throws it up. Thirty five yards, fourth yeah. and seven, under a minute to play. It,
1: it was, yeah, I'd call I'd call it a it's not the same kind of Hail Mary. So it's a final play of the game, but but it's I'd call it a Hail Mary. Sure. Let's
3: call it a Hail berry.
1: If, if there was a Barry involved, yeah.
3: <laughs> hey, um, explain this to me, okay? I love football, but I do not understand why we struggle like with the 10-yard passes, but we can nail a 40-yard pass. That's
1: a good question.
9: Well, I wish I had a great answer for that's, you.
1: That's the next step for Tanner Mangum is he's got to get the ball out a little quicker yeah. uh, on some timing routes. He knows the offense well. I think he just doesn't trust himself and or the receivers in that combo quite yet. To the degree he will very soon. That's the thing. BYU's gotten away with oh. Taysom Hill getting hurt, won that game, struggled to rush the ball until the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean Kainakua had more interception return yards than BYU did rushing the ball, Ugh. seventy-six to seventy-two. Yep, BYU wins. BYU's one hundred thirteenth out of one hundred twenty-five nationally in rushing offense. <laughs> and the, but they're 2-0 and
3: I know that's amazing Sometimes who
1: cares about the means it's about the end right you but work on passing the mean offense wow, is top 20 but the passing offense is fifteenth, three 344 a pop. what
3: were you thinking what were you thinking um after the first three plays uh from scrimmage
9: oh when he hit Mitchell Juergens for an 84-yard touchdown well yeah so pass. what was
3: it? I guess the first play he was sacked for a and loss incomplete
9: pass yeah Wait, what were you he thinking rolls right to then? His right and throws the oh. ball sixty yards in the air, and Mitchell Jurgens catches it. And I'm like, who? Who is this kid? Who? Mm-hmm. Who is Tanner Mangum? Yeah,
1: I'm. Yeah, and I, I'm enjoying the moment, but I am a little scared of. Getting too excited too quickly about everything. Because I know that could be zero two very easily. Oh, totally. Right. Totally. So, so yeah, enjoy enjoy the moment. Tanner Mangum is not going to win the Heisman. Right. He's not going to win the uh, national championship. Like, j- just enjoy these two wins and let's <laughs> see what happens at it. Right. Oh, it's, totally. It's fun. It's too fun. It is not fun. to get caught up in it a little bit. Uh
3: I think the whiteout the was control. cool too. By the, the way,
1: okay. The atmosphere, atmosphere was, was amazing, awesome,
3: and they delivered. Right, the fans made it hard. How many? How many? Um, uh, what were the delay of games or offsides penalty? What was False it? Starts. False starts. They
9: played a role. Yeah, yeah Several. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. You
3: it's know what? Important. I was proud. I was proud. It was cool. I thought of you guys the whole time.
9: Holy cow! Jeremy worked a sixteen-hour
1: day.
3: Did he really? Yep. Was that it? Was there that a at, lot of uh,
1: people that worked a long day Saturday?
3: But that was at Dunkin' Donuts, right?
1: Yeah, and then I came over to do the premium <laughs> interview.
3: Did you really exactly. work 16 hours? You guys well, are earning your people, pay.
1: A lot of people worked a long time.
3: That's cool. Yeah. You're just taking it for everybody. You sounded like no, Joe I, Biden right there. there.
1: There were people that worked uh, a Sunday morning uh, regional conference broadcast that, you know... It's true. ...slept over. Thank you, Seriously. Michael Hunter. I didn't want to name names. I do, because he's awesome. Well, now HR's like, what? Someone slept over?
3: What? Hold <laughs> it. Where? In the green room. That's good, guys. Uh, so, what are you going to talk about on your show? You're probably not going to address the game at all, are you? Well, a little bit.
9: I mean, it is timely. Uh, it's a little timely, so we might talk about something. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Again, we are attempting to. But but yeah, be no, calm I'm not about going to it. attempt to explain how it happened. We're just going to enjoy it. Sure. Just suck it up. BYU ranked. Oh,
1: we'll attempt to explain yeah. it.
3: Nineteenth.
9: Trevor Maddich of ESPN on the show once again.
1: I mean, later in the week we'll get into, okay, where does BYU need to clean up some stuff? Because you don't necessarily want to be in a position where you need a miracle. Yeah, right. You just want to blow people out earlier or be more competitive earlier with certain things. We'll Mm -hmm. get to that later in the week. But today today's a celebration of what? BYU played this really tough September schedule. I wanted BYU to get two wins in the month. They already have those two wins. Times are good right now. National buzz, trending, everyone's talking about BYU and Tanner Mangum. New York Post, USA Today, all these guys had articles on Tanner Mangum and what's going on. It's good right now. BYU is relevant in college football, (laughs) and that's where they want to be. Is
9: there a more talked-about team in college football right now? Uh, Hard to argue against BYU as being the
1: most discussed team. It's true. I mean, Ohio State is doing their thing. There's no surprise. Yeah. BYU's because getting a lot because of it
9: is dramatic for yeah. BYU. They are like, oh, did you see what happened in the BYU game again?
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Man. It's good. Good. it's good to be a cougar, huh? Mm. Ooh, Are you okay?
1: Yeah, I was just clearing my throat. Oh, okay. <laughs> I
3: saw oh, somebody choking on something. there.
1: A cougar tail. <laughs> Leftover cougar, the maple bars from Saturday. You
3: guys, by the way, just if you were keeping score, today is National Cream-Filled Donut Day.
9: And you are going to deliver cream-filled donuts to us because we're awesome.
3: Um, (laughs) um, We already have
1: plenty of uh, Cougar Tail hanging out.
3: Yeah. I don't even know what that means.
1: (laughs) I told you. Maple bars. Oh, maple
3: bars. I love maple bars.
1: This is BYU, man. (laughs) Cougars. Jokes. That's good.
3: I I didn't know what you meant there. But maple bars. Uh, Write that down for me, Ben. Uh, Cougar Tail equals maple bars.
9: Yes. (laughs)
3: There we go. He's it's writing being
9: it down. Written down on a chalkboard? Yeah, we always we <laughs> put everything on, on the chalkboard. Chalk.
3: We call it chalk talk here. N-
1: nice yeah, it's nice paper. There. It, it saves radio. paper.
3: We're very environmentally conscious. It conscientious. saves
1: paper. How about dry erase, baby?
3: No, that's those that 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 too many chemicals. I actually caught Ben smelling the sniffing the markers, so we have to
1: Ben
9: step yeah. away from the marker.
3: <laughs> you, he, it doesn't matter. He walks Chalk's around with like worst. red rings around his nostrils. It's embarrassing. (laughs) All right, gentlemen. Well, you got to go to work. Go continue your incredible journey of celebration. We will do that. And hey, have lots and lots and lots of maple bars. And
9: cream-filled donuts? Yes. Cream-filled maple bar. Mm.
3: Okay. Now you're talking. Have a great one, gentlemen. Thanks, Matt. See you guys. Cougar tails. (laughs) Cougar tails equals maple bars. Crazy town. Hey, by the way, uh, be grateful that you are not... Um, Tom Brady, because in the Miss America pageant, the newly crowned Miss America Betty Cantrell told the judges that New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady should be suspended if there was any question over whether he knew about the deflated game balls. Let's hear her comment here.
1: Legalities aside, did Tom
7: Brady cheat?
4: Did he cheat? Um, that's a really good question. I'm not sure. I think I'd have to be there to see the ball and uh, feel it and make sure it was deflated or not deflated. But um, if there was question there, then yes, I think he cheated. If there was any question to be had, I think that he definitely cheated and there, that he should have been suspended for that. That's not fair.
3: <laughs> that is your newly crowned Miss America, pad, Miss, Miss America uh, contestant, Betty Cantrell. From Georgia, we believe. But now listen to this. She later admitted that she didn't know what the interviewers were asking and thought that she had messed up. She said, I thought I blew my onstage question. Cantrell told an interview after being crowned, I didn't know what he asked me. She faked it incredibly well. One of the great, uh, great skills of all uh, Miss America pageant winners. is to just be able to make stuff up on the fly. It's also great for having a radio show as well. Did you hear about the selfies um the uh, this is crazy. A couple were getting married and as they were about as they were approaching the vicar who was going to perform the wedding, he um he said he basically pulled out a selfie stick and took a picture of the bride and the groom at the at the altar. Ooh. It was a really loud camera. And um, they they couldn't believe it. Like the, the, the vicar at the wedding just interrupted the entire ceremony to take his, his own selfie at the ceremony. Now even the vicar, for heaven's sakes, even they don't honor marriage like they should.
5: Is nothing holy anymore. Is nothing
3: holy anymore. You think that's bad? A great <laughs> clip. Uh, we'll put it on my uh, Twitter page. At Dr. Matt tweets of a mom and a dad who are going to teach their daughter to quit taking stupid Twitter shots. Or I guess it was probably like an Instagram picture. So the daughter, you know, these teens take the uh, Instagram photos and she was taking one that was kind of seductive with her boyfriend and she'd taken two or three. But it's like she was sticking her tongue out and he was looking all GQ. And this mom is like, I'm not doing that anymore. And uh, as parents, they decided they get to embarrass their daughter's, you know, Instagram pics. So the parents went and reenacted what the daughter had done. Thank you. Thank you. Let's embarrass our children. Thank you. Yes. And so what they did is they went and put together just really cheesy photos mimicking their child. And flat out, you know, embarrassing their child, which is your right to do as a parent. You have the right to embarrass the people that you need to embarrass. It's just my right as a father. Anyway, uh, interesting stuff with selfies going on lately. Don't know why we even try anymore. It just doesn't seem like it's worth it. Uh, anyway, we always like to wrap up the show talking, doing a little uh, bit of a hero story. And for me, the hero is just um, we're going to keep it fairly simple today because we're running out of time. But for me, the hero is just all of us that will sit there when we have the chance and we'll answer the call. Right. Answer the call, whether it's, you know, somebody that's suffering with a sickness or an illness. Maybe it's just you noticing your neighbor. Maybe it's you being there for someone's birthday that maybe doesn't get as much attention as they deserve. A lot of times we hold up the greatest heroes in the world are the football players, the athletes, those that throw the the last-minute pass. But sometimes behind the scenes, there's a lot of other people fighting for them, the moms, the dads that made it all happen. So my shout-out today goes to all the heroes, the parents behind these superstar athletes that don't seem to get the attention um, but still were the ones that made it happen. We appreciate you all, parents, and uh, we're going to be back tomorrow. More ideas, more tools to help you find the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Our goal is to help you figure out how to live a healthier, happier life, live longer, love stronger, and lead the life you want to lead. Until tomorrow, take care, watch out for each other, and make it a great one.